Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast, and I'm your host, Brendan O'Neill. I'm a Canadian expat living in Phuket, Thailand, and Fruiting Body is a medicinal mushroom company. Our intentions of this podcast is to connect with people living on the island and share their stories with you. Today, we have an absolutely amazing story. Today, we're with Wade Latham. Latham, I was going to say Latham. We had that talk before and it just came. Anyways, Wade Latham, uh, he's living in rural Phuket. He's going to tell his interesting story of how he went from being in Thailand and living in Batong to essentially going off the grid and, and doing sustainable, uh, sustainable farming. First, Wade, thank you for joining us today. And um, we'll, we'll build that story up of how you came to Phuket and, and what you're doing here. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Well, I'm from BC, just outside uh, Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, little town called Langley. I was just back there recently. It's, it's getting, becoming a bigger town every time I go back. Um, but yeah, went to uh, high school, university out there, and then uh, made my way to Thailand just because uh, I was looking to start a business, mm. actually. Uh, now, L- Langley, is that near Abbotsford? Yep. Okay, because I think I went there in high school once with a, a buddy. Which yeah, his, his name was actually Wade as well. No way. <laughs> so there we go. There's a bit of a connection. I don't know any other Wades back then. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was one of my best friends. Um, and we went out to we went out to Langley. And then I went up to Salmon, Salmon Arm. Okay. And Kelowna and West Bank. Oh, nice. That was, that was there Some for about a, maybe 10 days or a month. I can't It was like I was maybe 16 or something yeah. at the time. So you, you grew up uh, in Langley and... Um, you're coming, you're, because of what you're doing now, again, kind of living off the grid, and we can use different marketing terms of how we want to coin that, but your your background, and you, you lived a normal childhood, were your parents involved in any, this type of life, or how, I'm trying well, to, you how know, would we piece that together? Yeah, my mom was always gardening, we had a huge garden, mm. you had like a couple acres, and a bunch of fruit trees, and my mom was a really, really good gardener, you know, uh, well landscaped, all kinds of different trees, like very valuable trees that she bought, very small. And then by the time, you know, they they left the property, it was worth a few thousand dollars. Just really nice, like varied, different levels, different colors. And for for like um, aesthetic purposes, or what were were you doing yeah. farming as well, just for for food? No, it's for aesthetic mostly. But yeah. we had like pears, apples, strawberries, all that kind of stuff, mm. tomatoes. And we, we were discussing a little bit before you um, you went you initially went to business school in right. BC. Where where did you go? Which school was it? In Abbotsford. In U- Abbotsford. Yeah. Oh, okay. University of the Fraser Valley. Oh, yeah. for, uh, Fraser. Uh, no, uh, no, my Fraser. dad went to Simon Fraser. I went okay. to this just University of the Fraser Valley. Okay, and and at that time, your intentions were going to business school, and what was your your goal after business school? Like, was it an immediate hop to Phuket? No, no, not at all. Um, I, I actually went traveling um, after university, and uh, I just went to Bangkok because some of my friends went to Thailand. And uh, were you doing kind of a one year like trip around yeah, the world yeah, type yeah, of thing, or yeah. did it you ended just up being like six months? Six months around. So Asia. where did where did you start? I started in in Bangkok. I remember I took this flight to Bangkok, and I had when I was flying there, I just had a backpack. I was, I was showing up in the middle of the night, and I was so all uh, by all by yourself. Yeah. Okay. And I was about 20, 22, 23. Oh, wow. 
I remember right before I landed, I was like, I don't have a hotel booked. I don't know where to go. I've never been outside of North America. And I was like, my heart started racing. I was like, holy shit, this is really happening. I'm really doing it. Yeah. And uh, anyways, every, anything, everything worked out. You know, I, I traveled around, went to all throughout Thailand and Malaysia, Singapore, Hong Kong, Japan. How did your, your planning of that trip, like, was there any process or you, you graduated and decided I'm going to head to Southeast Asia for six months? Was that the intention? Uh, I can't quite remember. I just, I knew that this was my opportunity, you know, kind of after university before. Before a you career. started a career. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I had some internships in university, like banks, and there was some, there was some prospects for me there. And mm. it seemed like when I left and I came back, it, there was those same prospects weren't there. What what year was this when you uh, came over? In 2010, initially. Yeah. So you're landing in Bangkok. Yeah, 2010. You got no hotel booked. And I mean, when you, even when you're on the plane and pr prior to, uh, you know, taking this trip, did that thought occur? Well, where the hell am I going to stay when I arrive? Or no, was, was it more just, like, I'm going to deal with I it when so I get there? I was so inspired just to break the chains and just go for it. Why did you choose Southeast Asia and maybe not Europe or I just South heard it America? Was, I heard it was cheap. And I had some friends that went a few years before and they had done some cool stuff. Mm. And uh, it was just, it was only $500, a one-way ticket Vancouver to Bangkok at that time. And Yeah, and that's a lot closer if I'm coming from Toronto. Yeah, it's cheaper yeah. than going to Toronto from Vancouver. Really? Yeah. And it's a, is it a direct, it's yeah. probably a direct flight to Bangkok yeah. then. Yeah. So you land in Bangkok. Um, did you plan to, did you stay a bit in Bangkok before kind of going around Southeast this like, Asia? This is like 11 years ago. Yeah, man. it's probably I hard to I remember, remember, right? But yeah. uh, no, I think I went to some of the islands. I think I went to Koh Samui. Okay. I stayed there and I got a motorbike and I just remember I had the time of my life. I went mm. over to Koh Penang and man, I had some of the best times of my life in Thailand, some of the worst times. So like when I first got here, because you'll see it, like Canadians are so... Um, they're so trusting and so innocent mm. when they're so young over here. Like, just what a world, you know? Like, did you get scammed at any? I got scammed. Yeah, I think <laughs> I got scammed in Bangkok. I remember some guy showed me, told me he was like a police officer and something. I was next thing I knew, I was in a tailor shop. Oh yeah, and I just <laughs> the crazy <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's their, their their scam is. They I can't. I'm so embarrassed to say that now. You know, I haven't been scammed in so long, but but I mean, actually, I have been, but. Not by ties, yeah. I mean, you're only 20. Like, if I look back at myself at 22, I mean, at that age, you think you know you know the world, but we didn't know shit. Man. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, if I look at myself when I'm 22, I'm like... I, I had, like, I had a YouTube channel at that time. You can go back and watch it. Okay. I had, like, a blog and stuff. It was pretty I, funny. How do we find it on YouTube? What would, I don't know. I don't know. We'd have to... Would it, I could... Maybe I would, we'd have to search your name. Yeah, I yeah. could send it to you. Okay. I had a blog called Adventure Capitalist because I was like convinced that I was going to be like some sort of adventure capitalist, which I maybe happened, but mm. it's now it's like farming capitalist or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll figure that out and we'll we'll put it right here like that. Just, yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, so you you went to Bangkok. Now you're you're planning. Um, maybe I missed that part of the story. Were you planning to come for six months, or was it? Did it just kind of happen? Yeah. I think I wanted to go a year, but okay. I think I just, I got just drained. I missed home. I kind of ran out of money a bit probably. And yeah, uh, it's, it was, it was a total, I came back to a totally different world. I was just a completely changed person once I got back. Mm. So many things that happened in those, in that time. Yeah. It's what's that book. Oh my God. The, the, the beach. Not, 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 yeah. Well the beach as well, but that it's, 
It's this book that kind of blew up Bali with Julia Roberts. Um, oh, Eat, Love, Pray? This one, yeah. Yeah. This I haven't co- read that, but okay. yeah. This book kind of be- became the uh, uh, the book to inspire backpackers mm. because she finds her, her love in Bali and she's going, I don't know if she went to Thailand, maybe Greece. I, I, there's a movie on it. Yeah, yeah. I saw that one. But anyways, um, so... You you went through you went through Thailand. You went to Malaysia. Were you everything? Were you doing by bus? Were you flying? Yeah, I was. I was a bit of both. Bit of both. Yeah. Did you make it down to like? Did you go head over to uh, like uh, Cambodia, Vietnam, Philippines, Singapore? I did all that except for Philippines. I went to China. I I remember I did the went across went through China. I took a thirty five hour sleeper bus in China from here. No, it's just in China somewhere, like oh, so Shanghai. You flew, okay, to, you flew into China. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I actually crossed the land border on foot from China to Vietnam. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I remember w- that. What was that border like? Because that's, that's got to be in the middle of nowhere. I'll tell you a good story about doing that. You want? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Share so, with us, yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> this is a long time ago. I haven't, I haven't told many people this story. Yeah. But, um, so I'm on this bus in southern China, right? And I meet these girls on the bus. And these girls are from uh, uh, Scotland. I haven't mm. talked to them in years. I, I, since this incident, I don't think I've really talked to them. But we're, we're, we become friends on the bus. And we're going, we're, we're all, all of us are going to Vietnam. And they had come through Shenzhen or something like that. Yeah, I used to live there. Yeah. It's funny. And, I, and uh, so when we, we, when we get to this border crossing, it's about like seven or eight at night. And it's a very epic, it looks like Lord of the Rings. It's like, it's like a mountain peak. There's mountains on either side. There's just a narrow passage. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like this Chinese-Vietnamese border cross. And it's like two communist countries. And it's like very... Intimidating. Cr- intimidating, right? Yeah. So we have to get off the bus and go through the checkpoints, right? Mm. And so I'm with these two girls. And we're going through. And we're about the last to go through. And then I notice they have some problems going through. And all of a sudden, it's like they can't go through. Right, and so they're stuck on the China side. I'm on the Vietnamese side, and I'm like, "Well, what's what's going on?" And they're like, "Apparently, we don't have the right visa. We have a Shenzhen j- visa, and we can only get into Shenzhen, and we have to leave through Shenzhen. We can't cross. We can't get out this way." Uh, because they didn't get a real Chinese visa. Right. They, they got like the economic visa. Right. And I have it. no idea what's going on at yeah, this yeah, time. Yeah. Right. And uh, and I go to the bus. I'm like, "Look, they're not getting through. Like, you got to help." And they're like, "We can't help. Like, we're going." Yeah. And and I'm like. Looking back at these girls, they're about younger than I am, about my age. I'm like, shit, uh, what do I do? Mm. And I'm like, I gotta, st- I gotta stay with these girls. And I'm not, I'm not doing this because I'm attracted to them. Yeah, you, got, you can't just I leave just, them stranded. Yeah, You've just, just been on a bus 35 right. hours with them. And 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 this place is getting quiet. The sun is setting, and like, there's no people around. I'm like, I I can't leave these girls, right? So I, but not only that, once the bus goes, I still can't get them through, and. They're actually, um, no, somehow there was a way to get them through. Did they have a Vietnam You know what, they, had to, they had to pay, yeah, they, ha- they had to pay money. But okay. they didn't have the right currency. So what I did is I took all their euros and all these people coming through, I, I had to change the money with them and get Chinese money and pay a fine. And that got us through. Oh, By wow. the time that happened, it was like they were crying, finally got them through. It's nighttime. There's no more buses or anything. We just cross on foot. We walk in the dark in Vietnam on this road. So just the three of us are walking in the night to go. And yeah. finally, we make after a couple kilometers, we see a little 
bus stop or a checkpoint, and we find this guy that'll drive us to Hanoi, which is the nearest city. And finally, he drives us a couple hours, and we get to this city. This is all like 11 yeah, years ago. I was going to say, because it's still a couple hours probably from that right. border to Hanoi. Yeah. And, and these girls, they were like, if you ever need any favor in your life, even their dad called me and was like, I'll help you. I'll do whatever you need to do. And sometimes like, I feel like calling them up and be like, can you do something for me? <laughs> yeah. Maybe like if I'm really in a big jam, if it like, comes back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, because it's imagine leaving two girls at night. I mean, or imagine it's, if it's, it was your daughters, right? They, this guy was so like happy. Yeah. It's, it's quite, da- especially at night and totally. Yeah. It's, it's quite dangerous. Like and these I'm guys sure had, these Chinese border guys, they had like big guns. I remember they were telling me like, Oh, please don't, you know, think bad of China after this experience. Cause it, they were, it was like, I get it. I was too. like, please let us through. Right. Like, please let us through. Because they, there's reason why there's reasons why you have those rules and right. they probably, yeah, they just had the Shenzhen economic. Um, uh, it's like the, uh, how do it, it's for the econo- economic zone, economic right. free zone. So there, that visa is meant, for people that are like landing in Hong Kong to cross the border to do business in Shenzhen and go mm. back so that they're not traveling around China. Because otherwise, if you get a real Chinese visa, which I'm assuming that's probably the yeah. one you had, like a real tourist visa, yeah, um, it takes time. It could take a week. Yeah, but yeah. these economic free zone visas, you can get like at the border. That's the whole reason for them. Sure. Yeah, so that makes sense. It's so people don't take advantage of that. And again, how would you... You're free to travel. Mm. You can go around anywhere in China, probably uh, uh, by car, but that's where they got them at the border. That's, yeah. This that's border crazy. pass, you should look it up. It's crazy. It's totally epic. Like totally straight out of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. And I guess they do that just so they're, they can manage traffic coming in and out. And it's too naturally like a, uh, like natural mountains. It's not some sort yeah, yeah. of like design or anything. No, totally like a mountain pass. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Like cold and everything. I remember being freezing. Because I was, tr- I just wasn't prepared <clears throat> for that kind of weather. Yeah, I mean, it's. I've been up to Hanoi in February, and it's cold. I went mm-hmm. out to that. What's it called? How How Long Bay or yeah, How Long Bay? Yeah, yeah, I went out there and like. Yeah, it's not very enjoyable. Well, yeah. the the Canadians. I met Canadians on that boat, mm. and they obviously were coming from their winter, so they were like tarps off, yeah, yeah. jumping in the water. But I've been living in Shenzhen, and I think yeah, at this point I was living in Shen. No, at this point I was living in Phuket. And I was climatized. So when I got there, I was just freezing my ass off. And this was February in, in uh, Hanoi. Yeah. yeah. Like in here, I'm freezing my ass off with this AC. Yeah. I don't have any AC. Oh, in really? My house. Yeah. Is it cold? We can turn it down. No, I'm a bit. okay. You're okay? <laughs> you okay? I don't want to be sweating. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it gets because we're so high up, it gets yeah, so yeah. hot up in this room. Like, totally. The yeah. second we turn off this air con, it can get like, we've, we, you'll look at it, it'll be like 32 in here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Be good um, sauna. Yeah. Uh, I got, where did I do that? There's a cool steam room they have uh, le- here. Lemonade. Lemonade. Thing, yeah. I, I went there last Saturday. I'll sit there for four hours. Mm. Like, you know, in and out, cold bath, steam room. It's good for you. Read a little book, sit there, do it again, and probably do it 10 times and just sure. probably stay there from, yes, I think last weekend I got there at like 1 p.m. and left at like 6 p.m. Have nice. some juice, have a nice meal. and Get the toxins uh, out. Oh, it's a great place. Yeah, I love that place. Yeah. Um, okay, so now you you traveled six months uh, in Asia, and uh, there's probably a lot we can talk about there as well. Were, was there any one thing from that trip that really kind of was uh, profound? Because you said it changed the way you, you looked on life and maybe changed your path or traje- trajectory. Was there any, like, one thing you could take away from it, or was it the whole experience, like, holistically? 
Um, I think, you know, I, I fell in love on that trip for the first time, you know, and uh, that, that was probably the biggest thing. Fell in love with life and... and no, and with a girl. Oh, with a girl. Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. And is she... <laughs> I fell in love with life no, and no, myself. No, she's, she's past now, but... Oh, uh, okay. Not past, but she's living her own life, yeah. Well, this happens. Yeah, we this call, we call this the yeah. uh, the vacation yeah, ship. Yeah. This <laughs> is, so it was, to, it was totally like the, the the movie The Beach for me. Yeah. Like, I really hadn't... Where did, where did you meet her? Uh, I think Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the island of love, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So... That was uh, for when you like twenty two, twenty three. Like that has a big influence on you, mm. and uh, it just left a good impression on me on on Thailand and and everything. Did you continue to travel with her, no, or was no. it just Copenhagen and you went on your way? Yeah, just went okay. on my way. Yeah, because everyone's kind of going in different directions as well. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a big party scene. It was a crazy party scene. Yeah, like well, was, that's where the I full didn't moon, know I was full moon be, party yeah. is, right? I didn't realize I was going to be partying so much, mm. but it was just I got sucked into it. That's pretty much the backpacker trail when you go yeah. in southeast asia you're gonna go to hanoi you're gonna go mm -hmm. to halong bay you go to ho chi minh maybe sure. cm reap bangkok but every place you go there's hostels and it's always first day first arrivals yeah. new people everybody's hooking up with each other yeah and it's you're going to every day everyone's drinking yeah did you find were you drinking every day or because most people i think i was yeah yeah most people are and it's at 22 yeah. it's manageable yeah yeah but i mean now at my there's no way like yeah, if yeah. i drink one day i'm destroyed for four for sure yeah okay so uh did you did you go over to bali as well yeah yeah i did a couple nights in bali i think what what do you uh if you were to compare phuket to bali like uh what are your thoughts oh man i only had a couple nights i oh, was okay. a backpacker yeah, so right but i remember all the rice fields yeah and uh and it's, uh, yeah, that's basically it. I just, I remember, you can find the video of me riding around Bali on mm. a motorbike, but it's a totally different landscape, isn't it? It's yeah, like. it's completely different than Phuket. Yeah. But it's a massive island. And the only thing there, it's, uh, well, if you were there 10 years ago, it probably wasn't as bad. I've been there about four or five times. And to be honest, I don't know why I go back, but it's, uh, the traffic is horrendous. Yeah. Like, was it, did you notice that when you were there just on the motorbike? Or did you kind of get outside of Yeah, the I think I was outside of that. Outside, yeah. But, like um, Kuda Beach and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I, I just rode around on the bike the whole island. It was beautiful. Mm. But yeah, I hear a lot of complaints that the infrastructure is no good and it's crowded. and It's, it's like, super crowded there, yeah. It's a lot like, of people are leaving there, actually. Yeah, and the visa process there is a nightmare, too. Like they, you, you can only get like 30-day visas, and I, I think you can get a year, but it's like uh, it's quite complicated. Well... I heard from a, a lady that has a house there that also has a house here that they were giving people like uh, 48 hours, get the vaccine or get out. Oh, really? Yeah. Recently? Yeah. This oh. is even if you own property there. I, so as of, I never heard. So this is brand new news. Like, yeah. oh, I didn't hear that. Mm. Yeah, because I know a lot of people were leaving Bali to come here because actually Phuket's kind of before they went into lockdown, it wasn't the, the process to get in here wasn't that difficult. Um, I mean, there are visa processes if you know what you're doing, but it's uh, it's pretty simple. Um, so you did that trip and then you, you went back home and your plan was to possibly doing venture ca venture capitalists. And that was just the name of a blog, you know, uh, but yeah, when I went back. Adventure capitalists. Adventure okay. capitalists, yeah. And what, what was your plan before going on this trip and coming back to van uh coming back to bc your plan was to go get a corporate gig do that yeah. nine to five get yeah, a never, house get a kid yeah. 
I've never been good at planning, you know, mm. so I didn't have much of a plan when I went over and I didn't have much of a plan when I came back. And, uh, I was trying to, uh, find work yep. and, and there was just nothing. There was nothing for somebody that's just fresh out of university. Unless you had a job that you had an internship or something, they don't, nobody cares about somebody who's got a university degree. In fact, they yeah. laugh at them. Right. And so, you know, if you try to work at any of these big banks in the, in Canada, they have like PhDs as tellers. They have, they're oversupplied with smart people. And uh, so there was nothing for me. I had to work at like a bike shop. I was a bike mechanic. I was a bouncer. I was sharpening knives. Mm. Um, so I, I was a fisherman. I, I worked on a fishing boat. So were you doing this all together or kind of ju- hopping around a bit? At one point, it was like three jobs at once, you know, like mm. 90, 100 hours a week. Holy shit. Yeah. And it was that... For you personally, because you, you like to, to, to work that much, or was that just to survive? I was just I just wanted to save money, you know, and okay. it's very difficult to save money in Vancouver because everything's very, very expensive. expensive. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to start a business, so I, I wanted to bank some money. Yeah. Okay, and what, what business were you looking to start? I, uh, I wanted to import bicycles. I had a bunch of different ideas, but I remember the biggest one was importing bicycles from, like, Cambodia or China and selling yeah. them in Vancouver. And did that take off ever? or No, I brought one bike it? as a sample, and I, I visited some factories in China at one point, but uh, it was just the quality was so bad, and I was like, the container was like $40,000, and it was like too much of a risk. Yeah, I, I had some friends when I was living in Shenzhen. They started a bike company in Brooklyn. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm not even sure if it still exists, but uh, the problem with bicycles is if you open up a shop, takes up a lot of space sure a lot of retail space and and when you're in cities like vancouver i mean space alone for an off it's expensive so where do where do you warehouse all these things yeah, yeah right and and they're complicated too because the quality in china unless you're in china at the factory dealing with the manufacturers yeah. and you're connected there and you have to do the quality control. Who the hell knows what you're going to get, right? Yeah, yeah, and especially, totally. And especially if they usually, China, the Chinese, if you're a new business or a smaller business, there's a lot more risk for them to rip you off because they feel, well, this guy's probably just going to buy one order anyways. Yeah, yeah. So let's maximize our profit. It's not like totally. you're, you're a big bike brand where they're going to take you seriously. This yeah, is yeah. just the sad reality of China. I'm glad I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's dangerous. And who, China, a lot of, there is a lot of garbage in China, for sure. Um, but to find the good stuff, there's probably a thousand bike manufacturers and there's probably five that are good. Yeah. That's usually for every line of business, whether you're doing, uh, uh, well, we can't really get into technology, but let's say like these tripods over there, there's probably a thousand companies making those, those tripods and, Three to five of them are like high end, yeah. but to find those guys is it's a nightmare. Yeah. So you're you squash the the bike business, mm-hmm. and where did you go from there next? Before because now you still have your your capital. You didn't yeah. toss it in there. Yeah. Well, right about at the same time, it was uh, I heard I heard about this Canadian guy who was selling um, he was selling a <laughs> I'm missing a part of the story. I don't know if I need to tell it or not, but um, no, it's it's fine. It, that's what's great about these podcasts because we, yeah. we can we can do the long stories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, there was a Canadian guy who was selling um, a hotel in, in Phuket. And I had heard about him when I was thinking about this bike business. And uh, so I thought, hey, why don't I go over and, and see this place? 
see this hotel and see if it see if it makes sense. And so I I fly to Phuket. I fly here. And what year is this now? This is 2013. 2013. Okay. And um, so I so I meet this guy, and this guy is from Kelowna. And we hit it off, and he's he's showing me the business, and I'm doing the numbers. You know, I'm staying at the hotel, and the numbers make sense. You know, the numbers make a lot of sense. And um, so another connection, the way I found this guy is because when I was working as a bouncer, I made a friend, right? And this guy came to Canada as kind of like a, a refugee. Mm-hmm. And his brother went to Thailand. And his brother was working for this Canadian guy. So that's how I found um, this place. Mm-hmm. And so this guy was actually the manager of the hotel. Okay, so my friend in Canada, his brother was the manager of this hotel. So I come and the, his brother's showing me how much money they made Everything, how, how, so I know these numbers are legit. No, is, the, is because it we're a, gonna be a big partners. hotel or how no, many rooms? No, it's like 25 rooms. 25 rooms. Is it three floors? Yeah. Three floors. Like Got a pool. Kind of like a guest house yeah. style in Patong. Yeah, yeah. It's very yeah. nice. Yeah. And uh, so I, anyways, after like a month, I'm like, okay, let's do it. And we get enough money to, to buy half of it. So we still have a partnership with this guy. And for the next couple of years, like two, three years, Business is great. We take all of our money. We get but, another hotel. But at this point, yeah. you've now you've moved to Phuket. Yeah, yeah. I didn't move back. Like yeah. I was, I was. At one point, they had left. I had taken fifty percent of the business, and they went to China to do a business. Yeah, and I was running. It was actually two hotels. And I was running two hotels, um, and I had no staff. I had three cleaning ladies. It was me running two hotels and three cleaning ladies. And no experience prior. And no experience, in right? any type of. Right? And so I had signs up that says, if you need to check in, you phone me, right? Mm. On both hotels. So I was going back and forth in the middle of the night too and uh, checking people in. And at some point, like I had even clean rooms. Oh, really? And uh, yeah. And was it just, when you came over, did you have a girlfriend at the time or was it kind of just? No, I had, I'd, I think I had coming out of a relationship. Okay. That I, now you've you've got both hotels. You're running back and forth because you're checking people in. And was this all within the first year? This is did, no. This is like the first like as soon as I so I to paid scale the money. to to scale to this because you initially came over with one hotel in mind, but you quickly scaled. It was to a two, two for one. It was a two a two yeah. for one. The second one wasn't very profitable, but it was okay. like it was part of the package deal. And now you're going back and forth between the night. How many like as a business owner like th- especially this type of business. I mean, you must be working 24-7, or at least you're on call 24-7. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I was just have, having little cat naps. Yeah. And, uh, and like, you kind of knew when people were checking in, but still, you know, my sleep wasn't very good. And riding my bike, it took, like, five minutes to get between the two hotels. But where where was it located in Patong? Just, uh, right behind Banzan Market and on Nanai Road, right across from the Macro. Okay, yeah, I know. One across from Macro, yeah. one behind Banzan Market. And what would people pay per night? Was there just one at type this, of room? At this time, no, there was different types. But at this time, the rates were pretty good. It was like 1500 baht a night, 3000 baht a night. Oh, so th- it's a nice room then. Yeah, somewhere yeah. like double rooms, like lofts, even similar to this in some ways. Mm. And um, yeah, and yes. like 700 baht would be like the absolute cheapest. So it's not, I, I was kind of imagining it more like, you know, uh, off Bangla, and then you go in the back roads, and you get these like guest houses that are, you no. know, the five hundred baht. This, these is, were, this yeah. was nicer. Yeah, yeah. It's, was it like a boutique hotel almost? Yeah, it had a swimming pool. Oh, okay, know? nice. Yeah. It's really well designed. Very nice. Yeah. Okay, and now you're running. You're running back and forth. You're probably again on call twenty four seven. 
How many years did you do that for? Did you burn out? Uh, yeah, I got staff in after like the, a couple months. They okay. came and they took over. But the hardest part was just running the business because I had to pay the lease. So I had to make money on all this. And yeah. I had borrowed some money like from family and business partner, my own money. It was a lot of stress, you know, mm. uh, s- staffing and things would break. And we ended up getting a third hotel right on the beach road. And we had restaurants, two restaurants at one point and oh. three hotels, two, two restaurants, four, four hotels at one point, two restaurants. So at this point, you're, I dropped, you're, you're, dropped rock, on. you're rocking. I mean, you, I mean you, business, you got a lot going on. Yeah. We kept doubling down, you know, you're like at the blackjack table. Yeah. You got earnings and you're like, okay, this is all of our winnings. Boom. Let's put it down again. Mm. And right near the, right around 2015, I met my, my current wife and she came and she stayed with me and she said, well, you can't. She helped me do a lot of things. She, she kind of organized my life. Did you, was she traveling when you met her? Or how yeah, did you, yeah, yeah. I met her when I was on a visa run in Malaysia. Oh, okay. And, and were you in Pen- Penang? Penang, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I told her I had these hotels. And she told me she didn't believe me, you know, later. Like, if you asked her, she didn't believe me. But she came to... Why didn't she believe you? <laughs> she just thought, you know, I was wearing, like, you should have seen what the clothes I was wearing, right? You're like, kind of backpacker. Yeah, I was still a backpacker. Did you have the right? elephant pants on? I No, I no, had, no, no. like, those green short shorts. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And... Uh, so I was really low budget trying to make everything profitable. But so she kind of, um, she helped out like the online reservations because I was doing everything like accounting, um, check-ins, um, reservations, answering all the emails. Ordering supply. Were, made, you, do, were you doing a lot of the or, ordering supplies, bedding, linen? Yeah, everything. Everything, yeah. Everything. And it was a really unorganized. So she helped organize it. And then what happened at one point was, Somebody approached me wanting me to rent their house or, or just manage their house because I, was, I had a guest house right beside their villa. Okay. And they said, hey, can you manage my house? And I said, sure, I'll do it. I'll take a percentage of what I make, of what we make, and I'll give you the rest. And uh, that turned out to be a really great business. So I made a website for that. So now you're creating kind of a, uh, a property, a management, property company. management company. Okay, yeah. and this company goes from one property in in late 2015 like december 2015 to currently 130 properties okay and is this still running this is still running okay yeah and, th- and so it grows to about 2000 till about COVID. we have 130 properties yeah and and then the hotels we don't even have them anymore because it just it stopped being a good business because everything got so saturated because because oh. of airbnb and because of this model it, ah. it destroyed the market for the guest houses. So now this room that you and this could is get, you're talking prior to the current situation. Oh yeah. So way before this, this business you were getting hit hard because of Airbnb and and uh, right. the, the specifically the Airbnb business model. Right. How, how did the, could you explain a little bit more of why it was killing your business model? Was it due okay, to so, cheaper prices or what? Well, you know how Apple talks about always kind of like Steve Jobs would be like cannibalize yourself, right? In business. Mm. So that's basically what happened is I helped all of these people bring their, their like um, their villas and their condos onto the market, onto Airbnb. And we would charge the same, we'd undercut hotels basically is what yeah. happened. And uh, so 700 bought a night, 800 bought a night. And so people stopped booking the 
So much supply came out of nowhere. So you basically, with the property management company, I wasn't you, killed, the only, you killed I, your hotel. Yeah, and I wasn't the only one who did that. There was many other people starting these businesses. But did you see that was going to happen? Like you were prepared for that, that this was going to happen? Or did it come as a surprise? We thought we could, we didn't, we didn't quite understand the effects of it. But also, I think the markets just changed. There was less, there were so many Chinese and Indians that were coming that less Europeans wanted to come. Mm. And the Europeans were the one paying the big money. You know, so do you the, think that's the reason they stopped coming? Was it because maybe the, the type of tourists were changing in, in Patong or Phuket? I, yeah, I think they had too many bad experiences. They would come, and the locals here were just um, were just ripping them off, and they didn't feel the love anymore. You know, we were just talking about mm. you can feel things. Yeah, and they could they could just they could tell the island had just become too greedy. And I think that's very specific to Patong. I find like different parts of the island, there's different energy or di a different sure. feel. Like, uh, and, and it's mainly like, uh, for example, one of the biggest scams and, and um, uh, where there is strange energy, it's always with the, um, the Sidhu Mafia. Sure. Every time kind of on the beach, it's, it's, it's a strange energy there. But specifically in Patong, do you have any examples of like or maybe from your own experiences where you can see scams happening, something strange, or just, was it in general, you could feel it kind of holistically um, changing? Yeah. I mean, we just had some guests, you know, that were just like, they wanted some, you know, they had strange requests, you know, they were looking for prostitutes mm. or, or whatever. And it was just, it was no longer a family like we used to have big groups from Singapore and Malaysia. These are very wholesome people. And then, then you start having some other groups of people that come and they just. Yeah. So the, the, the type of um, tourism that mm -hmm. was going on in, in Phuket when you first got here was more yeah. like uh, very family oriented right. and more, you know, what, what happened there? Something cut out. I thought, okay. Um, it was more family oriented and now it's kind of Patong specifically was, it was getting more seedy. I think so. Yeah. yeah I think and so. Wh where, where and did, that which year did that transition happen? Did you feel 2015, 16? Yeah. 2015, around. 16. Mm. And so even more so 17. Mm. And these people, uh, your guests would come to you and they would ha give you strange requests for, Hey, can I find a lady? Do you know how to get this? Do you know how to get that? And, oh yeah. And, oh, it, yeah. and you didn't notice that like, prior to 2015 why do you think this happened i mean most of those types of sex tourists i guess you would call them yeah. they would go to bangkok primarily or maybe places in the philippines but do you, can you pinpoint as to why was this trickling down into phuket uh no i i don't know for sure i just think that um more a lot of people's first first times when they come to phuket is patong right and then their second time is not patong it's somewhere else Mm. and and so it might be the second time might be like uh Surin, right yeah and then their next time they come they don't even come to phuket at all they might go to uh Kauyak or or kalak kalak yeah. yeah and um just somewhere else in thailand maybe crabby or, yeah 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 they're just looking for a different adventure so you know indians or arabs they'll start coming and yeah these they're groups of people that don't mesh together mm. you know what i mean well, especially on these beaches when you, you get a lot of the Chinese that come in and, and nothing against the Chinese. It's just they travel in massive groups. Mm. So if you get five coach buses lining up at Prom Tep Cape and you're just a, 
you know a backpacker it's uh yeah it's it's not too appetizing yeah totally like people have such idyllic views of phuket and thailand and then you see these tour buses arrive and their whole trips are ruined basically yeah because they're running around you can't get a picture it's not that comfortable you you feel more stressed out like you kind of just want to go okay let me go take the picture and get the hell out of here once even you're on the beach and you look back and you see one of these big buses with exhaust coming and it's like like it just it's yeah. just not nice you know you would rather go to kotao or somewhere it's quieter it's or, turning it into yeah. like almost a theme park yeah so um you, you transitioned into the property management and the hotels what happened to them did you sell them did you kind of just get rid of them and, and i didn't have a chance to sell them mm. i just had to let them go and, and give them back to the owner and be like look you find another tenant because i'm not making any money here okay and that business at the end would you say it was successful or it was a fail or was it a learning experience well we there was no money that we had left from yeah. the business just financially it wasn't a success but um it helped us get into this business, this property management business. And at that point in time, the property management, um, it was sustainable. You, you were, yeah, it wasn't the, the transition was easy for you to kind of let go of that yeah. because this was doing so well. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And that kind of took off 2015 right up to the current situation. And, and from that point in time, kind of what changed for you? I don't want to say mentally, but maybe your, your outlook on life. Cause, and I think that's a good segue into what you're doing now. How did sure. this all come together? Well, it all, you know, as we're calling it, this, this the current, current so situation, I yeah. call it some, some dude eating a bat in, in China, yeah. you know, like that's, that's basically what set this all off. If you, mm. if you really believe that story, you know, but basically what happened is I'm in Patong with my son. Okay. And my, and my wife and, and these lockdowns come and the beaches are closed. You know, the, the park that we go to, you know, the, the playground is closed. Um, the grocery stores, macro didn't have much good food. It was all kind of picked through. And so what do you do with a two-year-old? And I just, there was nothing. It was very difficult to entertain him. And I realized that I just needed to be more prepared. I was like, look, I really focused too much on the business and I didn't see what could, what can really go wrong here. And I need to work towards making sure that doesn't happen again. And mm -hmm. that that's basically, you know, actually my son kicked it off for me. One thing that we did to entertain ourselves is we started taking seeds from durians and jackfruit and started sprouting them in our house on our little patio. And he thought that was the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. He, he thought like as a two-year-old, he's like, oh, look, Poppy, it sprouted, sprouted. And I'm like, if he likes this, let's, let's get, get some land and let's do this, you know? And, and when, when was this around? Which year, which month? This is the start of the, the current situation. So pretty much February, yeah. 2020. Yeah. Um, Febru so, February, March. So these thoughts immediately when things, cause it happened quite quick in Phuket. I mean, when, after the China new year, things locked down real fast mm. and just nobody was coming. And I don't, it's, it, it hasn't recovered since then. Yeah. I mean, a little kind of, it went into April a bit, but on that first major um, uh, district lockdown, that was pretty much like the nail in the coffin. We've never come back since then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at that point in time on that first lockdown, is this when these thoughts you, you're starting to process this and what can I do to make sure that, if this is long-term or this happens again, I'm more prepared immediately. You're thinking this. Yeah. Well, 
you got to remember, like, before the lockdowns, I was, like, the busiest guy on the island, you know, trying to, with all these properties and all these customers and all these owners talking to me. And now, all of a sudden, there's nothing. You know, so I've got all this time on my hands, and I need something to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a townhouse in Patong, just not a lot to do, especially when everything's locked down. And so um, we ended up we ended up going back to Canada for about six months. And um, we just regrouped. And over there, I kind of... I, for the, the winter, like the 2000... For the summer. For, for the, the summer. summer. Okay. And, and the winter a little bit. To Christmas. To Christmas the summer time. to Christmas. So in 2000... Uh, just recently. Yeah, just yeah. recently, yeah. And um, so over there, my business partner was still here. And I was like, look, the only way I'm coming back is if you find me the most rural property you can on the island, right? And I was looking on Facebook. He was finding things. And I... I saw this one listing on Facebook. I said, this property looks really rural. I'm like, go mm. check this out. So he FaceTimes me and he's like, this place is in the middle of nowhere. You're going to love this place. And I said, okay, let's get this place. And this is the mm. place where I'm currently at. And so I come back. And, and this is this conversation's happening around when you're still in Canada, kind yeah. of around November, December. I think, yeah, yeah. around okay. Christmas time. And, uh, and so we come back and we do the quarantine with a toddler and... Um, pretty tough that was probably some of the hardest stuff i've ever done two weeks with a toddler oh my god three of you stuck in what like a 30 square meter it was two bedroom but still very tough yeah and uh not not can't not bigger than 50 square meters yeah it's not ideal probably like a little bit bigger than this whole room yeah it was (laughs) it was big actually it was about three of this but it doesn't make a difference right and um so so finally i get to this um this property and uh it is barren right okay it's a beautiful house empty house thai style my staff had put my furniture and stuff in it but the land is is rock solid you can't even get a shovel into it it is it's like completely degraded the, the soil is is barren in this yeah sense. okay yeah yeah and um so i had been studying about this i knew kind of what was coming and i had studied this thing called agroforestry and 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 can because we talked about that before and it's not a popular term and before I think before we will will jump into the, like the actual yeah, yeah. what what you did could you talk a little bit what is agroforestry? Okay, so agroforestry is just a way of farming that mimics the forest, right? And these guys they're in Brazil actually, they uh, they they mimic the forest and the forest if there's barren land and a forest is going to come. It has a succession, okay? So there's there's what there's what's called pioneer species. So pioneer species are things that can grow in really bad conditions, okay? And they create the environment for the next level of species to come. It's like phase one. Yeah, like phase one, the pioneers, okay? Phase two is like, um, I don't even know what phase two, there's like 15 phases to this. Okay. <laughs> but, but basically, that's what I did. I, I planted things that were easy to grow, and they provide shade and, and provide life in the soil for other things. And these guys have other rules. You know, you have to cover the soil. You have mm-hmm. to put organic matter onto the soil. And um, so I'm constantly, my, my staff are constantly um, bringing me like organic matter, like leaves and tree trimmings mm-hmm. from other properties. That and is this kind of to bring life back to the soil? This is, totally. this is your, your concept. Yeah, so I'm dumping it onto the soil. Yeah. And all of these people around me, my neighbor's like, what are you doing? Like these ties, they're like, 
you're going to attract snakes and ants and, and rats. Mm. And, and there's probably some truth to that. You know, these guys have been doing it for a long time, but my, this property was terrible. And I just posted this morning a before and after six months yep. and you won't believe it. It looks completely different. Like I've got worms, I've got butterflies. So you pretty much, you land it back in Phuket, get out of quarantine. This is probably January, 2021. So like it's quite recent of what, what you're doing. You're still in the early like February, state. March, I think. Do you feel you're still in the early stages of your, what you want it to become? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's a process. Yeah. So I've, I, uh, my business partner took my dogs to the property. So they were, they were living at the property before even I arrived. And, uh, my dogs are like, uh, they, they just keep the property safe and they know all the neighbors and are they like soy dog type of style? Like Thai one's dogs? A, one's a Thai, a purebred Thai Ridgeback, mm. like uh, about this high, like really strong and really intimidating. And the other one's kind of like a, a mix. Like a typical, like a uh, Thai soy dog you'll see on the street yeah. style. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, your process is following this agroforestry techniques from these, this Brazilian guys. Is there a name? How could people yeah, find it's them? Called the agroforestry Academy. Agroforestry Academy. Did you pay for the program? No, I just I just watched all of their YouTube videos. Watched their YouTube videos and yeah. kind of went step by step. Yeah. And it's that's it's, what these guys do. They go to these because in Brazil these lands get exploited so much from like only growing soybeans or only growing one thing, and then and there's nothing left in the soil. You can't grow anything. And they come on and they do this process and they build it up and then basically they make it into a thriving ecosystem. So there's like plants, some plants grow well with other plants. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you got pineapple, you got papaya, and you got jackfruit, right? Mm-hmm. And then above jackfruit, you have durian. And so they all they all occupy a different strata, mm-hmm. right? So you can grow these things very close quarters because they don't take up the same level. And you had no prior knowledge to any of this before kind of jumping into it. I knew that, you know, mono, like um, the way modern agriculture was going was was not right you know i didn't like it at all and that's the reason people hate farming is because it just looks so barren and and horrible mono mono agriculture meaning we grow one crop we grow soy we grow corn right. and you're completely completely deple- depleting the right. nu- and like your nutrients adding, of the soil yeah you're adding fertilizers and all this stuff but this stuff all has consequences and what they're and actually we had a holistic chef on last week and we were discussing a bit about that and I was asking him his thoughts on tilling and if this is how that's impacting our food mm-hmm. essentially and and I I can't remember where I originally heard this but it's the fact that because we're constantly just tilling which means we're turning the soil over yeah. turning the soil over with this these massive machines that we're depleting the nutrition or the nutrients from that soil. So this is why in certain products, especially let's say uh, corn or soy of what they're feeding to the, to cows. And then we, we eat the steak. Um, there's no vitamin B. It's mm-hmm. completely depleted, depleted of vitamin B. And that's why people need to supplement with vitamin B because of these tilling processes. Have, have you read anything into that or? Sure. Yeah. It's uh when you till, you basically dig up all the soil and all the life and, and, and take out the minerals. So if you really want the good stuff, the stuff that's for your body, this is the stuff that the forest creates, you know, because the forest, the leaves drop and it, it, it decomposes into the ground. And so 
when people analyze like fruits or, or vegetables and stuff, the most minerals and nutrients are always in, in forest fruits, mm -hmm. you know, like um, Borneo, for example, like these things that are growing wild. Like in my house, the mountains are behind us. And I, I do like, I always try and buy from these people that are farming in the mountains because all of these mountains, they're growing everything and they grow the best stuff. And it tastes completely different to if you buy in some, even to, even to a Thai. Because there's no else. pesticides. It's no. all natural. And it's all like, yeah, when you're in the forest, you don't need that stuff because there's a whole ecosystem The the pests all get eaten. Mm -hmm. And even, yeah, the birds eat some fruits, but it's all natural. You know, the birds need to eat too, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. And when you buy off them, are they actually farming it or is it just growing naturally? It's and, just growing naturally. And they're kind of collecting it. Yeah, exactly. Now, could just, you, would you do, the, do you do the same where you go into it or you kind of let that because that's their business? Like well, if, you can walk. I walked through there, you know, um, with a group of friends recently, like when it was, when all these durians were coming down, there's a bunch of durians on the ground. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we picked a couple up and we ate some and, and we actually met the farmer later and we, we bought one off of them and uh but yeah it's a good life up there in those mountains mm. Does, do they those farmers do they own that land that you're hiking through with the trails yeah especially yeah. we we're talking about the one um by the dam in the back and there's this trail entrance that can go to camilla yeah people own that land or is that or is that public land no it's all privately owned the only the only difference is different land titles on it so a lot of a lot of this land you know certain families can own it but they can't even sell it it has to stay into their family. And mm. so, so yeah, the, the only thing they can do with it is, is let it grow. You yeah, know what I mean? And, and they're not, I don't think they're allowed to clear cut it. Actually, they might be, but um, it's mostly just, yeah, durians because it's, it's quite um, profitable stuff. Because I thought there's rules in Phuket as well that you cannot build homes in the mountains anyways. Mm-hmm. And possibly with the rainy season and landslides, it'd be a bit. Well, sketchy. they build they build temporary structures, you know, which is like, and they don't have electricity up there. It's all solar, so those people are really off grid, you know. Well, those are the ones I, I'm talking. Those are the people that are like kind of in those makeshift tin huts in the middle of the forest. Yeah, yeah. What What are they doing? Are they just living there? Are they farming? Is that or is that house? Is that where they're actually living? So usually they have a house somewhere else, like in Bangtow yeah. or something, and they go up in there in the daytime or something. And some people have that have big swaths of land, they pay employees to stay up there all the time. So mm -hmm. you see a lot of Burmese people up there, and they're just they're taking care of the land for the Thai owners. And that land again, it's for it's it is for farming. Is that why they're taking care of it, or is yeah. it? It's not for. Uh, uh, I've lost the track of the name, like the. The latex uh, trees, rubber. the rubber, sorry, the yeah. rubber plantations, because it seems in those mountains you're talking about, there's not many rubber plantations, no. right? It's, it's just too steep and it's too, too steep. Yeah, it's too, um, too rough. Yeah. Yeah. But it's mostly um, from what I see, it's mostly durians and jackfruits and rambutans and mangosteens. Like if you go up during uh, July, August, depending on it changes every year, but there's food everywhere. I mean, it's like walking into a grocery store. In those mountains. Yeah. And right now, I don't know if you've seen them, Long Kongs. There's these little brown fruits. Yeah, I've had them. They're they're everywhere in they're these mountains. Kind right of now. like a a nutty lychee. Yeah. It's got like a nutty taste to it a bit. It's not as strong as like the ram rambutines or yeah. I forget the Thai word. I can never pronounce it. Na or something like oh, this. Yeah. N N G A I. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um 
uh yeah no they're good it's i i can crush about 50 of them yeah yeah so those are in season now and uh <clears throat> they're everywhere yeah. and the the lychees are in season as well right the ram rambo rambo rambutans have just passed just passed yeah, okay yeah. you can find them they in thailand it seems like something's always fruiting but in phuket specifically the, the season doesn't last long it's like two three weeks and then it's yeah on somewhere else and that's why you see it all on the yeah. side of the roads they'll have these massive bags and they're selling that, it that's for, next for to that's for seasonal fruit like durians and uh, rambutans mangosteens but there's other fruits here that are all year round like mm-hmm. i have a tree on my property that was there before i got there it's it's this little red berry it's called uh you look it up online, it's called like Jamaican cherry or something. Mm-hmm. It fruits all year. It tastes like cotton candy. Oh, wow. And and you won't see that in a grocery store. No, you Wha- can't even find it in the markets here. Why is that? Because it, it's shelf life. It doesn't last. Mm. You have to eat it right then and there. And wow. there's there's a lot of fruits like that, actually, that you that and you only, they won't ever sell it. And you're gr- are you growing that or it's growing naturally? It already grew. Okay. Like, and there's other trees growing that the the landowner had had planted and this was planted I, the reason this owner had planted this is because i looked it up it it, it grows in terrible soil it thrives in terrible soil so he mm. knew it could grow he knew that was the only thing he could grow wow and yeah. your your land now you've completely um i mean is it has the nu- nutrition come back to the soil so now you're at that phase where you're able to maybe uh, grow other types of crops or are you still in the process of fixing that yeah like there's there's a succession to everything right so we're growing bananas and papayas and um so we can harvest that now mm-hmm. and these berries and what about what vegetables are you growing because you were telling me uh, off air you're, you're only eating fruits and vegetables that's your diet yeah so what 90 Five percent fruits. Ninety-five percent fruits. Yeah. So fruits are anything that with a seed. Right? Is there is there a name to that diet? You know how everyone yeah brand- fruitarian fruit fruit fruitarian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so fruit is anything with a seed. Yep. And and the reason have you heard about the caveman diet? Isn't it like paleo diet, right? Yeah. It's like it's like if we were cavemen, what could we go around and and eat, right? right? Well, this this is like a step up from that because if you look at fruit, fruit is the only thing that we as humans, our hands are, we can just pick correct. it with our hands. Yeah. Correct. This is how we are designed, yes. right? We don't have sharp claws or anything. We're not hunters. Right. And, um, and the tree speaks to us. It tells us, Hey, eat me because the fruit changes color, you know, and it usually smells good. And it looks good. It's very attractive to us. Like bananas has this nice leaf that opens up. It says, Hey, look, pick me now, you mm-hmm. know, eat me. Same with papayas, same with rambutans. It turns, I mean, it's a beautiful fruit. Durian falls to the ground, and basically all you have to do is... Yeah, it's been built for for humans yeah. to... I mean, human, we're being told to it's eat human this. food. It's yeah. like every species has a species-specific diet. You know, every animal eats a certain thing. They know what they have to eat. It's only humans that are so confused. We think we can eat everything. <laughs> you know, we're the only species that cooks our food. I mean, how crazy are we? Yeah. Right? And... So, yeah, I'm just getting back to to nature. And this is nature speaking to me. And then how are you preparing it? Like, are you able to get to or to make some sort of elaborate dish out of out of the fruits? Or is it kind of just here's a banana, here's a mango and I'm going to eat it. And, and are you even preparing dinner plates and setting out, you know, like yeah. a, a meal? Yeah. So it's for me, I find it. The best, just mono meals. Mono meals, it means one meal of just one thing. 
Okay. And uh, that's that'll be my breakfast and lunch. And for dinner, if I'm feeling adventurous or my wife wants to sit down and have a proper meal, she'll make like a salad for me. Mm-hmm. So we grow, we're growing like lettuces too. So lettuce, we'll buy some pomelo, some tomatoes from our garden. Uh, what else do we put in there? Oh, cucumbers. Mm-hmm. Cucumbers are fruit. Tomatoes are fruit. And uh, and by the time you put all this stuff in there, it's a big bowl. You know, we'll, I'll put lime juice on it. It's almost like a Buddha bowl. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. I'll put lime juice on it. And if I'm really feeling crazy, like I really want to, I'll wrap it. I'll put some seaweed in it, like dried seaweed, mm-hmm. no salt or anything like that. No where, oils. Where do you get the seaweed from? The have it from macro like this. Just the dry seaweed like paper. No, the, yeah, the nori, the yeah. stuff they use in, in sushi. And that, that'll be like my, that's like a really fancy meal for me. So then you're not eating again. So it's, it's raw vegan, essentially yep. no eggs, no milk, no meat, um, n- nothing cooked. Yeah, yeah. And, and remember I told you that I had a disease. Okay. Would, yeah. So let's, yeah, let's jump. How um, does that fit into the story? Yeah, right. Yeah. How does that fit in? And, um, why did you decide and when did you decide to go raw vegan? Okay. So. I got diagnosed with this disease called Crohn's disease when I was about 15. And I think, on, honestly, I think a lot of people by this point know what that is now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They've met. They've Crohn's had a colitis. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's IBS. Uh, yeah. 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 <clears throat> and so it, it stunted my growth completely to the point where I was the shortest person in, in my high school, in my, in my grade, and uh, also the skinniest. I weighed, I was 5 foot 97 pounds. I was the shortest person, on my, shortest player on my basketball team. Shortest, shorter than the shortest girl, okay? And and finally, I got some medicine, and it healed. It it, it allowed me to absorb nutrients, and I, I shot up like a rocket. And I thought I was healed. And then later in life, I kind of always went off this medicine, hoping that I was better. But every time I went off, all of my symptoms came back, slowly, slowly. And it, let's explain, uh, what is Crohn's disease? Like, what is actually happening to your body when you have this? So it's just inflammation. And it's so inflamed that you you can't absorb anything, and you get big sores. So people get in your intestines. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Crohn's is just a certain section <clears throat> of it, and colitis is a different section of it, and IBS is the whole thing. But essentially, it's just your intestines are inflamed. Okay, and that's primarily—is it genetic or is it diet? Well, people have different opinions, but it's my opinion that it's all diet. Okay. So yeah, continue on that. You you so you felt you so felt it coming back I every always, time you went off. Yeah, I always mm. wanted to cure myself because I knew this medicine had consequences. I knew I wasn't healed. I was just it was a ban- it. it was a band aid. Yeah, yeah. And and so somehow I learned about this fruitarian stuff, and I had heard about the caveman stuff. The caveman didn't do it for me, and I said, look, if if we're supposed to be eating fruits, if that's our if that makes sense, I think it was a friend posting on Facebook. It really influenced me about, he showed that, hey, we're similar to gorillas. Our system is similar to gorillas. What do gorillas eat? Do they eat meat? No. They only eat grass and fruits. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, that made sense. And it's like, well, but I want to be big and strong. It's like, well, gorillas are big and strong, mm. right? And I'm like, okay, like, let's give this a shot. So I, I switched to all fruits and I said, okay, I'm feeling okay. Now the real test is I stopped taking my medicine. And what, what age was this around where you... This you is only like four years ago. Four years ago. I'm in, like, and so in Thailand. Yeah, in Thailand. And I, so this is really hard to do if you're in Canada, right? This diet. Yeah, because our it's expensive it's not, and we don't really have a big selection of fruits. We, yeah. got, we got like, I guess, apples and berries, but in the berries summertime are seasonal. It's okay. 
but summertime our oranges okay. and bananas this is all imported stuff yeah, yeah. that who knows what you're actually yeah. getting oh sorry continue <laughs> yeah so the real test is like hey if this the real test is if i'm if i stop taking the medicine am i going to be okay mm-hmm. so i do the fruit for a while and i stop taking my medicine and the symptoms don't come back so i'm like this is legit this is i know this is legit in theory it was legit and in practice, it was legit. So the process was you switch to the diet, you're mm-hmm. taking the medicine, and now you just keep that diet going mm-hmm. and, and wean off this medicine and yeah. everything was fixed. I'm fine. Never took it again. And still, you've never taken it yeah. since. I'm perfect. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, save a bunch of money not taking this medicine. I know I'm way healthier now. What was your diet before that? What were you, were you was it a typical it Canadian diet or typical yeah. maybe meat. chips, lays, yeah. skittles, whatever? No, I was eating I was eating good. Eating I was eating meat and stuff and like big steaks. I was eating clean. Yeah. Um I was still a healthy guy, but just a healthy meat-based diet. Yeah. And um but now it's just fruit. So I went I went straight into it. And, and do you get bored? Is it is there a part of you that wants to, you know, go back, I need a steak, I want some chicken, I want some pork, or, like, do, no. do you have those okay. cravings? No, no, so chicken, pork, steak, right? Like, three three basic meats. Like, look at the fruits. There's all kinds of tropical fruits, mm-hmm. you know? If it wasn't for durian, I would be pretty, pretty bored, I think. But durians are just such an amazing varied fruit that I just love them so much. Why is that? Well, you don't, you haven't eaten durian. I've had durian. I find it, it's very, it's very filling. Yeah. It's quite thick. It's almost like, it's not as thick as a potato, but it's Mm -hmm. a heavy fruit. Yeah. So that's it. So if you can imagine if you're on the fruit diet, the biggest problem for you is probably going to be, I don't feel full. Right. Mm. But at the end of the day, if you can have a big, nice durian now, and you just go right to sleep, you sleep Mm -hmm. like a baby. And durian's not cheap, but if you're getting it from the forest, mm-hmm. I mean, because dur- I, I was in KL, and mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was KL. Some durians in, in uh, Malaysia, they can go upwards of like $100 a kilo. I could be wrong, but I, I do remember different varieties of durians were like insanely expensive. Yeah. But. Well, that's too much. Yeah. Some in, of can- in Canada, they w- it was about 500 baht, so $15 a kilo. A kilo. And um, that's. That's really expensive. Malaysian durians may be a bit more expensive. But but a durian, let's say about this size, and it's, I mean, that's going to weigh what? Maybe two kilo, three kilo? Yeah, that size would be like three, four kilo. And what are, like, um, what are you paying now? Because you're getting it right from the farmer. Yeah, yeah. So I'll pay, I'll pay anything between 80 baht a kilo for like a certain variety. Mm-hmm. Or, no, actually, durian bond, the local durian of Phuket is only 40 baht a kilo. Okay. And there's about a month where you can eat durian bond straight. Mm. And 40 baht a kilo is cheaper than mangoes. Yeah, mangoes are expensive. Yeah. yeah. Depends the season, but Yeah. but it's it's really cheap. So 40 baht and then right now I can like last night I yesterday I bought two durians. It was about 130 150 baht. Yeah, but I'm not eating at restaurants or anything. So I'm I'm about spending the same price. And and I'm I'm planning on growing durian trees, right? Mm. And but durians take a long time to grow don't you need to be up in the mountain for that though no because i have you been to koh samui yes um i've there's i I remember motorbiking around but there's a it's now it's either a jackfruit or a durian um massive farm way up in the mountains and i think they're quite famous for that it was by some waterfall but 
Um, I, I always was under the impression that you kind of needed to be at like a, a, a much higher than sea level. That sounds like a nice place. I would like to go. But yeah, it's awesome. Dur- durians, they don't like to have their roots wet. So, which is why they like to be on the hillside because the water drains easier. And it's draining down. Yeah. yeah. But there's also plenty of durians that grow on flatlands as well. Mm. Yeah. So for you now, your diet, you're essentially, you're just eating fruit every day. Like, so, and you said you were, what, what was the word? Mono meal? Yeah. Mono meals. So what would you eat? What did you eat for breakfast today? Um, long Kongs. Long Kong. What is that? It's oh, the fruit that we the were just little, talking yeah, about. The, yeah. the little brown Actually, ones. Long Kong and durian. I had leftover durian. Okay. And you'll, like, how much are, are you, do you need to eat to feel like, you know, uh, sustained or full? A couple kilos. A couple kilos. Yeah. And then is your, is your child or your wife, are they following this diet? Or are they? My wife, not so much. My child, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, funny enough, he's the most beautiful kid you'll ever see. Mm. He's super smart. He's a little bit smaller than other kids. But I, I know from my personal experience, it's not a race, you know. You grow at your own pace. And I'm sure if I gave him cow's milk and all this stuff, he would be much bigger than he is now. But I don't think that's a problem. And he's eating, again, you're 95% fruit. Yeah, he well. eats the same as me. Yeah. And um, this diet, like, do you see any issues? Like, what, what about, I guess the argument would be, um, where do you get your protein then from? Because and, and yeah, it's I think, like gorillas. Where do gorillas get their yeah, protein? Yeah, th- and that to be honest, that's more of a question of uh, uh, I, I don't understand. So, did, have you done the the research on that? How does that work? Are you getting your protein? I mean, you look healthy. You look fine. So yeah. clearly, it's working. You don't you don't have that. You know, some people that go on vegan based diets, they can get that like anemic look mm-hmm. because of lack of iron. Mm-hmm. Um, but you feel comfortable in your diet. Do you you feel confident you're getting enough protein or have you done the research of how that all works yeah so we so you don't need as much protein as you think you need basically and when and you can't absorb that stuff anyways mm-hmm. um so yeah it's like people eat cows for protein well where do cows get their protein they get it from the grass or mm. or, or the it's it's made inside of them but yeah you just don't look at gorillas yeah you just have to trust nature, nature, you know, and, um, and we're not supposed to be, I don't know, like I work out a little bit, like I've got rings and stuff and I'm stronger. I'm pretty strong, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm definitely also very skinny, but mm-hmm. I think I, there's people on YouTube and you can search <laughs> that are like fruitarian bodybuilders and they look pretty good. You know? Yeah. I mean, you're doing more calisthenic workout yeah. stuff as well, which is, uh, again, that. In a, in a sense, is more natural as well. Yeah. I used to be a bodybuilder. You know, I used to be a big, big guy working in a nightclub. Yeah. Like, um, like, so how, what, what are you weighing now? Probably like 85, less than 85. Cause yeah. you're, you're a bit, you're taller, yeah. right? I think I weigh like, I had, I don't weigh myself, but I think like 180 probably. 180. Yeah. And when you were at your max, like, I was like 225. Holy shit. Yeah. You're a, that's a, that's yeah. a, a big boy. Yeah. I played on my university basketball team. Okay. And I was the biggest guy on that team. Okay. Yeah. And then slowly over the years, uh, was it because of lack of protein and the change of diet that m- your you, your muscles essentially they go into atrophy? Would it be or or just the the muscle is slowly starting to deplete? Yeah. Yeah. I I think I st- I stopped working out and um, I fasted a little bit. I did a lot of fasting, mm-hmm. so I was big into detoxing. I probably got too skinny for a while, 
there's a transition to this, you know, and I did it pretty extreme, you know? So that's, that's kind of just the way I am. I like, if I, if something makes sense for me, I just go full on to it. And you're not over planning or overthinking. You're kind of jumping into it and you'll, you're like, uh, you're, you're building the ship as it's sailing. I I guess so, (laughs) you know, uh, Figuring it out as I go. Which can be a good thing because yeah. maybe people that over plan too much and then you now ne- never end up, you know, executing. You're, you over For sure, sure. Paralysis by analysis. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So what's uh, what's next on your radar for, for your land? So y- what have you planted so far? What are you planning to plant? And what are the next, like, major steps you're going to take? Well, I everything's basically planted. You know, I just, ha- I just have to wait. I need, like three or four or five years. The durian's not going to come for six, seven years. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I planted it all from seed. So you're in this for the long haul then? Yeah. Yeah. This is another thing. Things grow better and are way healthier when they're grown from seed. You know, so if you just buy like a three-year-old durian tree and plant it in the ground, it's not going to be as healthy because its roots haven't found the way around the soil. Um, yeah. So that's kind of uh, an interesting thing. So it's a long, it's a long-term long-term thing but it's really going to pay off like i'm going to be up to my neck in mangoes and jackfruits and durians in seven years time what would you do at that point like would you give it away three years you, three years for mangoes four years for would jackfruit. you do you plan on selling them i plan on eating them just eating them that's yeah. it okay yeah i mean i'll give you some i don't i'm not <laughs> doing this for money no no i mean yeah. like uh because if you have too much i mean there has yeah. to be the point of where does it where does it go when you have too much yeah right? that's going to be a good problem to have i yeah. i look forward to yeah. that day i really look forward to that day what are the biggest risks of doing, let's say, living off the grid? And uh, I'm sure you've thought of, of that. Like, what are your risks of living off the grid? Well, the biggest risk is comes from living on the grid. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, you need to you need to get off the grid in terms of solar. It'd be the easiest way. I, I don't understand why more people don't use solar here. I see some more companies starting up, but... I asked my staff, you know, my staff do a lot of construction and maintenance stuff. I said, hey, guys, and they're Burmese. I said, do you know about solar? You know, if I buy some panels, can you do it up for me? And they said, oh, yeah, boss. Mm. In Burma, we use a lot of solar. It's like because we don't have the grid. And I said, really? And they said, yeah. And so I said, I'm planning on getting some solar and seeing how it goes. But in my house, I don't have air conditioning. Mm. My my electric bill last month was like less than 500 baht. And I got a, I got a two, three bedroom house, a big house. So where's the electricity coming from? Your water like heater? lights, lights and water, heater? water heater. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing. And, um, yeah. so I might put it on my office cause my office has a big electric bill cause I have a lot of staff living there. Okay. And then obviously you have your laptop, you're doing some admin yeah. stuff and working from there. Um, I don't go there much. No. Yeah. <laughs> you, now living off the grid and bringing solar and that, that's interesting. I have, um, there's a, I know a guy here that, um, works with solar from China and I've actually uh, my the the owner of this place wants to put solar on the roof mm-hmm. but uh, it's just not in her budget um, but the point is it's actually cheaper to buy from Bangkok than China direct yeah because of all the shipping costs and, and the issues there what happened is the Chinese have set up in Bangkok for solar oh nice just to eliminate you from going to China and I, I have a contact if you want it yeah. where it's at least it's higher you know well, what Th- you're getting. Th- Thailand has a lot of high import taxes, right? And yeah. tariffs. And they, 
And for that reason, there's so many um, manufacturers that come here and start up just to access the domestic market. Yeah. And there's ways around it. Um, I know how to do that. That's something else. Though. Yeah, yeah. Where a lot of the stuff that comes in here, it uh, gets past the door. Sure. <laughs> that's... This is tied That's up. how it is in a lot of the world. You yeah. know, it gets signed off and stamped. Yeah, because the, the tariffs and the duty here on yeah. some products is insane. I yeah. mean, uh, I think, what is it? Uh, alcohol or cars. It's like 300%. Sure. It's just... I've seen Teslas here. They yeah. must have paid a lot of money for that. Like the Model 3 is like $100,000. Yeah, that's crazy. One hundred twenty. So do you plan on... Uh, when, when when would you plan on bringing solar power to your, your place? When I have the money for it, yeah. you know, but it's, there's a it's tough times now for everybody. Yeah. And, and, th- and we're living a really simple life, really simple life. Like we don't, I don't send my kid to school. You know, we don't go out to restaurants. We're just doing everything at home and we're not spending much money at all. And, and how old is your, your son now? He's almost four. He's almost four. So it's, it's, do you plan to ever send him to school or will you continue to ho- homeschool him? I would love to keep homeschooling him. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's out in the yard. I've got a little trail for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what about his social? In- I think the the only thing there, I, like homeschooling, no problem. But it's uh, the only thing that they might miss is social interaction with other children, yeah, yeah. right? Would you be able to get that? How would you get that if he is being homeschooled? Well, I've, I found <clears throat> another Canadian guy and I convinced him to move to the house next to me. And mm. he's got a kid almost the same age. And so I'm hoping they're going to be buddies. But I take this, I take my son to all kinds of places. I'll take him to like the lazy coconut and uh, there's all okay. kids there and we'll t- go to the beach. Yeah. The beach is all kinds of kids. Yeah. And then and the, the parents sit yeah. back and they, the kids yeah. figure it out. Yeah. So there's, he gets a lot of interaction, but he's definitely <clears throat> not as well socialized as some other kids. And I think, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if I've read some books on, um, having a, just a strong relationship with your kids as opposed to they have stronger relationships with other kids. And so it's a, it's a school of thought, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. I think because of the current situation and things happen, uh, the way things, the way the world is turning now, these new alternative ideas to lifestyle, such as living off the grid, homeschooling, I think they're becoming a reality now. And a lot of people are starting to, second guess you know their entire way of life sure i saw this i saw this meme online the other day it was you know homeschooling kids are supposed to be anti-social and weird right and then it showed a picture of what school is like for kids now and they had little circles that they have to sit in the circles they can't get too close to each other and they all have to wear masks so so who's going to be the weird kid you know they're not even interacting yeah yeah. is it going to be my kid or is it going to be those kids yeah that's no that's true um, so based on, 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 uh, cause I was watching a couple of your videos on Instagram and, and, uh, the sustainable farming you're doing now, mm-hmm. it seems that it's the long-term plan. So it's going to take time before everything arrives at this point when you're living off the land, are, are, do you have to supplement and also go to macro at this point? You're j- just because yeah, yeah. you're not ready. And the point of the question is, Will there be a point in time where you can be 100% self-sustained living off your land? Yeah. Well, I, I tell everybody, look, there's, there's going to be a time in this current situation that 
you might not be allowed into the grocery stores. You know, might not be into allowed into a lot of stores, you know, if you don't do the thing they want you to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's basically what we're preparing for, you know, and, and I get a lot of people um, you know, asking how I'm, how, I'm, how I'm doing it. But it's in the tropics, it's super easy. I mean, you basically, it's like camping. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to do. You and know? the the weather is very uh, permitting for that as well. If I if I go to Macro, it's only because I just want to see what they have and just for some fun. But mm-hmm. yeah, we can. There's a little market right beside this reservoir that we can get most of the stuff there. Yeah, yeah, and those those reservoirs. I mean, especially I I know where you live. The soil actually around there is very rich. Especially there's some uh, there's one bend that goes. There's another reservoir way out there, um, uh, kind of by. By Anthem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Out behind Anthem. And you can see the side of the mountain. It, the soil just looks extremely like red clay. Yeah. Red clay. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you can go actually, you know where those two lakes are? Mm-hmm. You can go back, go in there and go hiking. And like that that forest must be so nutrient rich that yeah. if you went in there, I'm sure you're going to be finding fruit all over the there, place. Yeah. There's a, there's a product, a company. Um, it's called Black Oxygen in Canada. I think it's in Ontario. And basically what it does is it buys untouched land in Ontario, basically strips it down, takes the soil, begs up the soil, and sells it all around the world because this soil is so rich mm. that people put it in a bath. It's full with this um, nutrient called fulvic acid. Yes. yes and, um, and people love it. People are paying huge money for it. It's a very successful company. What are you using for your, your land? Is there any minerals you have to bring in to kind of beyond just like you said, you were using like organic material. Is there, uh, cause I saw one of your reels and it seems like you were, um, yeah, I was putting at, some powder. Yes. Yes. Some like, uh, lime and, uh, bentonite. No, yeah, some sort of clay, some sort of clay. I yeah. just, I, I looked it up and it's all natural stuff, but I don't use it much anymore. It's just, I figure, you know, it'll do its own thing. Mm. I just want it to be as natural as possible and find its way. It's going to take time to really build up life. But one thing now, I have to be very careful digging in my soil because there's worms everywhere. Okay. And to me, that's a really good sign. Yeah. There's life. There's life. And that wasn't there before. No, no, no. Just look at the video that I posted today. It was a before and after. When I got there, rock solid, dead. Mm. And now there's things. Well, I've planted things from seed that are now... Almost double my height in six months. One sec. I got to take a quick bathroom break. That coffee. No worries. No worries. You're, everything's still good? You're having a... Yeah, yeah. I need to probably take some water. Yeah, let's grab some water. I feel like I'm in a different zone with those headphones on. Looking at you like yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm taking some psilocybin. That's maybe, maybe you need to put it in the water. <laughs> oh, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I'll we'll we'll take some on the way home. Yeah, this stuff is... I can take some now. I mean, if we're finishing up no. soon. <laughs> this one you can't really, it's very visual. The blue mini, right? And it's concentrated. Oh, yeah. If you take like a gram of that stuff, like if I, so what I do is I do the, the tank and half uh, hero dose. Heroic dose, yeah? And I'll take like five, like every four or five months, lock myself in that room, throw in a blindfold and lay there for four hours. And like, holy shit. Like five taps, huh? No, five grams. So it's like ten. That's grams. what he says is the heroic dose. Holy yeah, I've shit. done it. I've done it about four or five times. 
How many of these can you give me? I'll buy them off you. <laughs> it takes like a whole day, doesn't it? Yeah. Quite strong. Yeah, knee, knee brace. Yeah. You hurt your knee? I I I ruptured my meniscus. Doing what? Surfing. Surfing. How yeah. did you do that? Uh, was so it was uh, during the storm and the sea was quite heavy, and uh, I was duck diving the wave and I was on the impact zone, and then uh, when I was duck diving the impact zone, so I was under the water paddling strong with the foot. But under the water, and then the impact came on my back and back on the knee. And when I pedal the knee, the knee did this, and, and then I ruptured my meniscus. Oh, you good surfer? I'm good. I'm good. I used to be better, but I was kind of rusty when I stopped surfing this season. But uh, I was getting Since good. Serena? S- uh, s- this was in Tamala. Uh, but now, yeah, no, the knee brace is like much better. Like you know, wants to do. How long has it been? It's been now a month. But uh, like the problem is, I was good. I got to the gym, studio every week, doing some exercise, and I felt too comfortable. And then this Friday, I went out, had some beer. Coming back home, I tore it again. And then I had two days staying, no walking, no gym. Damn, man. I need to go, go for surgery, but uh, only Bangkok. And then now the situation is not good. If I go there, I need to take a jab. And only in Bangkok, huh? Yeah. Uh, so I need don't to take the jab, huh? Yeah, I don't want to, but uh, can I come back? So that's the thing now. If uh, if I go to Bangkok, I'm probably gonna have some surgery to come back without sure. the jab. You know, yeah, yeah. like what you I'm. Can, you yeah. can get the surgery anytime. Yeah, no, yeah. The doctor said four months off. I was even thinking go back home, do the ten month ten, get the surgery, and then come back later mm-hmm. because it, I can get the jab in Brazil, then I can select because there mm-hmm. there are plenty vaccines sure, everywhere. Sure. Here, no, it's it's only the. I would just, uh, I'm in talks with a bunch of people now, hopefully we're not rolling, but I'm in talks with a bunch of people about getting these, these Vax cards. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah oh, I'm we keep in touch. We yeah. keep in touch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because if then I can go to Vax. I, I tell you for sure, if you get one of these. Is it real though? No, it's not real. But it, it will but just get you into the stores. It'll get you all throughout Thailand. No problem. It's the Thailand, question of how just do we Thailand. Getting back to Canada, Canada's getting crazy now, yeah. eh? You can't even take a bus, apparently, without a vaccine. Maybe we should, uh, if we coordinate, I'll delete this part. Oh, yeah, do it. <laughs> or oh. You, can, you blackmail me. No, no I, I'm, I'm the same. I'm talking to, you can get me on camera, too. I'm talking, we won't post that, but I'm talking to a doctor. Oh, we got Talk to Lodi. Lodi, this guy you're having next week. Oh, okay. He's, Cause he's got to be anti-vax. Yeah. He's, talk, talk to him, I, He's he's been All a doctor camera. since the eighties. Yeah. Now try and get it on camera. People need to hear this info. Yeah, because I had this argument with my friend's girlfriend or whatever, and she's like, "Yeah, but it's studied, it's testing." I'm like, "I'm not anti-vax, mm-hmm. okay? Polio, got it. Yeah, saved you. But this has been studied for a year. Yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out. Well, you know, you don't have to say anything. Let the doctor oh, speak. Yeah. Just let him speak. He's a doc. He's been a doctor since the eighties. I want to bring her on just as a surprise guest, just so he can. She, yeah. I had arguments with her. I'm like, I, I'm not anti-vax. I'm anti-testing. You yeah. haven't done... There's no phase one human trials, phase two, phase three. How, how can you tell people to put this shit... In? I know what it is. This is my opinion. They sell this one, make tons of money. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to make money off boosters. 
Then they're going to find out that one didn't work, and they're going to sell another one. That's already happening in Brazil. And like they are one. taking third so jabs now because they say that two doses are not uh, enough yeah. for the Delta variant. And so yeah. now they're taking three jabs. The the, the, the it's never going to end. The vaccine might not even be bad for you. For all we know, it's sugar water. Mm -hmm. But someone's paying. Yeah, that's right. But <laughs> but you know, anytime you make a decision, you make it's risk reward, right? Yeah. So the. The reward is the sugar water. The risk is it kills you. Yeah, yeah the risk so, is what so does it do? So my buddy, I, I had a guy take one, and then he showed me the next day, and he took a magnet where he had the injection, and it stuck to his arm. No way. Yeah. You know this guy? Yeah. I met him at the bar. He's like, watch this. Holy he put the magnet. So it's, what that means, it, it's actually, it, can't, it, it might not be Because so many bad. people think that's fake. No, like ninety nine percent of the people. I was with him at the bar. I believe he you. Did it. He I went like this, and then I took the magnet to see if it's a trick. Magnet. But if you posted your story online, people would tell you you're bullshit. Yeah, no, this is real. I yeah. saw another guy I met there. His arm turned into a cyst, mm -hmm. which is a good thing, which means his body rejected it. Oh yeah. And he went to the hospital, and they cut it open and just pile of blood there. Holy shit. He he was fine. He had a scar. I said that's probably a good thing. Your body probably just rejected it. Now they think you have a vaccine. Otherwise, where would it have gone? I just, uh, yeah, that'd be cool to talk to, to Lodi about that. because There's Canadian virologists speaking out against. I don't know if you've seen that. I posted on my personal Instagram. You can see that. Canadian, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm all about it. I, I mean, again, I, if, they, if there's studies for 10 years, and in 10 years they find something that works, and it, it does work. So you don't want to talk about this, huh? No, no, I'll talk about it with him. Um because this one I, I do want to post, and if we talk about that, yeah, I, YouTube won't let me promote it. And I think this is a good podcast to promote because it shows. Uh, I think we only said COVID once. We're gonna. I only heard you say it once. I think I, I said it twice, maybe. He can bleep it out. When you rewatch it, bleep out COVID. Um, because I do want to push this, and I know for sure with Doctor Lodi, there's no way YouTube's gonna let me promote that video. Yeah, yeah. Because we'll probably go deep into some stuff. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for that one. That one's going to be good. Yeah, he's good because I listen to a lot of his stuff, but I've been, I'm trying to now. He, he doesn't like to talk about this stuff. Like he might not do it on camera. Well, I think for you, he will. <laughs> Let's see. I think for you. He so will. he's put me in touch with his marketing guy and we'll do some stuff. I had a good conversation with him. Mm -hmm. He's a really uh, likable guy. And yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, he used to work at Life Co. Oh, yeah. And I guess they had a fallout or something. How do you know him? Oh, property management. He's a customer of mine. Yeah. He, he runs a penthouse for me. He said he, he told me he lives in Laguna. Yeah. So that's good. It's nice and close by. But that's he, I'll tell you how I met him if you like. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, well, off camera, right? Yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be off camera. Yeah, that's okay. Well, we but, don't need uh, So he was, he was um, my staff were telling me, hey, we've got this guy in, our, in this penthouse. He wants to make all these changes. And he's renting it for a year. And he, he's complaining a lot. So they sent me in to go talk to this guy to um, kind of straighten him out. Tell him, look, all these requests you have, I, I can't do them all. Mm. So I go meet him. And I, I say, hey, hey, man, like, what's what's the issue here? And we talk, and he's like, oh, this is a problem. And I just, I talk to my maintenance guys, and I get some things fixed easily. Yeah. And he's like, and the Wi-Fi, he's like, we can't have Wi-Fi. I need it all cables. I need it all cabled in, like Ethernet. I said, well. What's wrong with Wi-Fi? And he just turns, he looks at me, he's like, you don't know about the dangers of Wi-Fi? Mm. And I said, no, I don't. 
Yeah. And that was like the first of like a two hour long conversation we had just about health in general. Yeah, that stuff I, I'm not too certain on because I, I I work with electronics. Yeah. And just the radiation coming out of it is no different than the sun. Sure. Like, so for example, they'll say, uh, don't, you know, be too close to your Wi-Fi signal. Well, there's like, uh, what's calling a frequency is coming off of it. It's like, it's no different than that arcade behind you. Um, yeah. It's just not strong enough. The only thing that I, I do, does concern me is more Bluetooth headphones. Oh, yeah. Because the, the problem with Bluetooth, and again, it's actually, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. The, they wouldn't release it to the public. There's so much testing. There's a frequency. And what's happening is only one Bluetooth is actually like the, we'll call it the primary. But for it to go to that one, it's going, there's just a signal yeah, yeah. going right through your brain. But again, go fly an airplane. Do you know how much radiation you go through on a flight? Like. Sure. It's so there's a certain point in life where you're just like you got to deal with shit yeah, yeah. at a certain level. Well, also, to sleep with your phone under your pillow. Yeah, uh, they say a lot of things about oh, that yeah. too. You know? I, sure. keep, I keep my phone on airplane mode like as much as yeah. possible. Mm. I don't know if you want to get this, but in my house, yeah. I, okay, so in my house, um, it's so far away from the cell towers that the five Gs. I I don't get five G. I barely even get four G. A lot of the time, half the mm. time, I get three G. And I get happy when I get 3G. Just because you don't want it. Because <laughs> I don't want the signals. Yeah, and that's uh, well, that's something off. Okay, I don't think I can talk about that on camera. But it's uh, like a, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Usually I make the story long, but I'll tell it quick. So I talk to, uh, I work with um, uh, kind of holistic uh, farmers up in Chiang Mai. And they're doing some of the product that I'll do later. So they get turmeric turmeric from the the thailand mountains the ginger everything is all natural they come they bring it down and they make uh supplements out of it but it's straight from from there so this guy he used to be a nuclear uh refrigeration engineer and he and he's about 75 and he's from scotland and he's worked in the the british navy um that's why i can't keep this on camera um but he told me his his conspiracy theory, which I'm going to take his opinion because he's not just some Joe Schmo. He has a background in engineering, specifically nuclear engineering. And he said, most li- the biggest problem with technology when it comes out is usually people get sick right away. And he said, why do you think COVID could also possibly exist? He said, because of the 5G towers. And that's the whole 5G tower thing. I said, yeah, that's crazy. He goes, every time a new technology is released to the public... This happens. And he goes back. He goes, look at 4G, bird flu, 3G, something like this. But you can do the research and look, and something always happens when it's released. And then he said to me, what do you think happened when the flu pandemic came out? What technology became mass mass used at that flu pandemic in the 1920s? Telephone, telephones. Oh, wow. And he said, yes, it was invented in 1895, but mass public did not use it until 1918. And I'm, that was enough for me to go, fuck, that makes sense. Yeah. I'll tell you something that goes along with this. So the whole, uh, I don't know if you know about germ theory versus terrain theory. Mm. It's, it's, it's basically this idea that germs don't come from outside and attack you. It all, everything that makes you sick comes from within. And this doctor who is um, trying to explain this theory, he gave the, he gave the example of, some uh, frogs in a pond outside of his house when he was growing up. So every night they make a bunch of noise, like chirping or whatever frogs make. And then uh, 
So it's every night like this, and he has to close his window so loud. And then one night, the frog, all the frogs stop. All the noises stop, and the frogs all die. And he said, well, what do you think killed all the frogs? Was it a flu that wiped them out, or did somebody pour poison into the water? Mm. And, and that's what is going on every time we see th- people sick. It's, n- it's not a flu germs that are spreading it's the environment that's getting sick and it's something's being activated yeah that's that's what we all share is our environment we're all living in a sick environment mm. that's why we all have the same symptoms and that's it's germ theory versus terrain theory it's a it's gone back hundreds of years mm. yeah so it's something like with inside you that's triggering it just like what you're saying about the cell phones and all. yeah that that's stuff. what you said yeah. it's it's high frequency and it's the uh, environment factors yeah and it's and those 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 towers are a bit uh, they're they're uh, they they need to be everywhere. It's not like a four G tower that can be one there, one twenty kilometers away. Yeah. They have to be very tight like and close. Eight hundred meters. Eight hundred meters because they're they're built. It's not to make your cell phone stronger. The main thing is it'll be for car automation. That's why you need these towers for car automation. Otherwise. You lose the connection points as you go. And it needs to be very strong. The signal has to be strong. So you'll get... That's why in the U.S. later, it will be for like uh, transportation truck car automation. Mm. This is the the real reason for it. Not to make your internet on your phone go faster. Man, they already go fast enough. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They don't really need to go much faster. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that (laughs) they don't go fast. It's You run out of data, right? They stop giving it to you. Uh, Okay, let's jump back in. Um... <clears throat> Where were we? So how long are we? Uh, one one hour and forty minutes, but uh, we stop about fifteen minutes. You know, probably so fifteen twenty. One, one okay. thirty around. So we're we're at kind of like the uh, uh, we're still like at, at your house. I'm trying to think of like what people and and I'll, I'll well, before we start, I think what we'll try to talk about is. <clears throat> Do you see this as like like um, working? What are the risks? How could what? How do how do I word that? It's something like, what could stop you in your tracks of of what you're doing now? Is there any like outside risk that could come kind of come in? And I want to well, kind of go there. You know, I would ask like, why, why being why do you want to be rural? Mm. You know, and I can tell you many things. Okay, let's go from there, and then and then I'll I'll. Yeah. jump around why, why don't you want to be in the cities like why yeah yeah okay and action okay so yeah we were discussing a little off camera um we had a quick bathroom break and we're back um uh so the question that you posed to me that i should pose to you is yeah. why do you want to be rural what is your uh, motivation what is the agenda yeah well it's just about uh it's about being more more independent and and just you see what's going on in the world now there's a big basically authoritarian you know takeover people want to tell you what to do and how to live your life but if you're if you're living on the land you become a lot more resilient it's like like the founders of the US like Thomas Jefferson he was totally adamant that the US is only going to work if it's a country made up of basically homesteaders basically independent farmers because these people, they grow their own food, they have their own water, and they're not, they're not dependent on the government in any, in any, in any way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can't be manipulated or coerced. And uh, 
And the cities are just not where you want to be. You know, the, I saw something on Twitter just before I came over here, but somebody said, the cities are full, but the people are empty. Mm. And, and to me, that's very true. You know, the more rural I get, whether it's in Canada or here, the better the people are, I find. Like these farmers in the mountain, they're so whole, wholesome. They're so nice. They're giving mm. me free fruit and all that stuff, and they're not trying to make money off of me. And, uh, and, and you're, you are rural, but you're, people need to understand, you're not, I don't know, 200 kilometers in, a, in the middle of a jungle. I mean, yeah. you can get on your motorbike and you can access your stores there. Do you, do you have a certain like, line that you're comfortable at this level of being rural? You wouldn't take no, it. I, would you take it to the next level? Yeah, I, the more is better. More is better. So what, what's, what would be ideal for you or like from this land? Because it sounds like this plan is still a six to seven year plan based on the fruit that you're. Well, I have my business here. Yeah. You know, so there's limits to how far I can go. I would love to go up to, uh, you know, off island to Krabi or Pangna a little bit. But it, the island's basically locked down, you know. Yeah. So I don't really want to do that. Um, so I'm happy where I'm at. But yeah, if. Uh, I think the more rural you can get, the better. So the, clean, the cleaner the air, the more, the less people. Um, but where you are now, it's still... The cheaper uh, the land. The land gets cheaper as you yeah, get yeah. further. But then do you have any uh, uh, concerns about being um, maybe too distant from uh, like a hospital or, me or, or Western medicine? Because yeah. there is a certain level where... Yes, holistic medicine's fine and all, but sometimes maybe you, sure. you break an arm. You need to. Yeah, yeah. There's a well, level. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a good example. My wife, uh, she's seven and a half months pregnant. Okay. And we're doing the birth at home, and because there's, you know, when you go to the hospital, they force you to these tests. They'll do, um, they'll test whether you have, uh, do the PCR test or something on you, mm. and. Uh, and they'll even take your child away if you have it. They'll give birth and they'll take your child for two weeks and separate you. If you have. If you have it. Okay. And there's false positives. So it's like, we're not doing that. Too risky. We're not taking that chance. You know, nobody's taking my son away for two weeks. Yeah. Not a chance in hell. And so we've got uh, a doctor hopefully coming over um, from Krabi's American doctor. He opened birth centers in, um, in the U.S. And... Uh, but we'll see if he can get to the island because he doesn't have everything that he needs to get here yet. And if he can't? If he can't, we're just going to do it by ourselves. And you guys, you, are you confident in that? You're comfortable? Yeah. I mean, we've... The her first birth, this is a good story too, but I was right there directing the doctors and everything, like right there. They wanted to get me out. Like the security was on the way. So mm. I felt like I have already had one birth, you know? But did you uh, did you do a lot of research prior to that, so you kind of understood what was going no, on? No, no, no. That was my research then and there. Okay. And then now I've done my research, mm. and so there's you just trust nature, just like mm -hmm. what we're doing on the farm. But essentially, you can just relax into this, and the baby just comes out like pain free, basically. Mm -hmm. And would you do it in a tub or anything? Like I wanted that? to do it like in the ocean with dolphins. Okay. <laughs> but but my wife doesn't want to. No, do she's that. Is 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 your wife on board with everything you're doing or does she have a line? Like is she like all right. She, you know, like I'm not is she like I'm not going 200 kilometers into the jungle. If it wasn't for me, she would probably be back in her home country, you know, triple jabbed and you know, oh, like okay. living in the city, but I've pulled her along and she's seen the light, you know. Now she's right there with me.
Yeah, I think, and it's probably more human nature in which we um, we resist change uh, initially because our, for some reason our minds are, are built that way in which when you uh, bring something new into the environment that requires you to change, we resist. Mm. And uh, But once you kind of break through that, then everything's okay. Do you agree with that statement or? Yeah, I, you know, I tell, I t I'm trying to live like a really traditional life, not to a real life, but take it back to our tradition. So I tell her, look, I'm your husband. And like, at the end of the day, you're going to, you know, you should listen to me, you mm -hmm. know? And, and she, she has these values too, you know, these Catholic values. And uh, mm -hmm. so she listens to me, even though she thinks like when I went fruitarian, she thought I was batshit nuts. Mm -hmm. But now she's like, she's okay with it having our son do the same thing and you have that because you have that vision overall and you kind of see the the general direction of it yeah what are you i'm very overbearing in what i believe you know i like i'm very strong-willed what, what are, are your thoughts on like maybe you're creating uh your way of life and in, in this rural land and what if other people maybe from this podcast or wherever they reach out to you and say i'd be interested in to live that lifestyle as well could you see that growing into a community and would yeah, you, well, is that something you would accept or do you want, Hey, I want to do this on my own. Yeah. Well, you got to do it in your own context where you are, you know, Canada, for example, is totally different than doing it here, mm -hmm. but there's, there's people doing this in Canada that I've been inspired by, you know, is there, uh, how, how could we look that up? Yeah, Who are they? Curtis stone. He's Curtis called stone? the urban farmer. He okay. was in Kelowna and now he's doing a, it's called a shit hits the fan farm. So it's like in case like everything gets locked down and the grid goes down, he's going to be fine. So is I, it just him or a community he's doing it with? He's like, he's a big leader of it. Oh, so it is a community. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And would, I'm not you, the only guy doing this. Oh no. I, yeah. this, I think, I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally new to this. This is, uh, I, I've always, it's not, it's definitely not an argument. It's, it's a point. This idea of, of, you know, going back to, let's say, the 1800s and this lifestyle. Sure. I mean, you could, then why aren't more people just go move where the Amish live? Just yeah. go live with them. And then, and that's already set up. You don't need to create it yourself. Because I'm from a place in Canada where you can drive about an hour outside and we have Mennonites and Amish. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, not far. And it's just farmland and that's their communities. There's no electricity. There's none of that stuff. So... That's good life. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's when you go out there and you go to their restaurants and their buffets, it's all the people br are bringing the food from around the community to the buffet at the restaurant. And then people like myself that want to drive an hour mm -hmm. can go and eat it, but nothing's made in that restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It's all brought in. So, I mean, is, would that be an option if you went back to Canada? Could, would you try to do it on your own? Would you even, would you process going to a community? Would you go yeah. to the Amish? Would you well, live that lifestyle? The way I just like what I'm doing now because it gives me so much satisfaction, mm -hmm. you know, like just to see things grow. Like <clears throat> I have, I have a little woodworking station. So I, you know, I, I can uh, have a saw, like all this stuff in the townhouse, in the villas, you can't do any of this. Right. Yeah. So it's like most people living in Phuket, they're, they don't have any space. They're either in a condo, they're in a villa and they just not really, really living with their hands, mm -hmm. you know? And so now you're starting to learn carpentry as well. Yeah. Is just, this something new? You're, you're Yeah, totally new. Totally new for me. Yeah. And But it's great. You know, things that, you know, my son can watch me do and just activities to do at home. For your tool belt of skills to be able to live off the grid, what are like the top five or I don't know, you, even if it's more than 10 types of skills that like people should be, lear lear uh, should be learning 
Um, obviously, we talked about farming and, and yeah. agroforestry, and another one would be carpentry. What else do you want to learn? Um, well, I I would learn as many things as possible. You know, I in fact, we talked about homeschooling. Well, there's a version of homeschooling called unschooling. And basically, mm-hmm. you let your kid decide what he wants to learn. And whatever he wants to learn, he's he's primed to learn it, right? So he wants to learn about snakes, then we learn about snakes. We get a book about snakes and we learn everything we can about snakes because when he's in that moment, when he's in that mindset, he can really learn something, you know? And it's like me. When I when I want to learn about carpentry, I watch videos until like two it's in the morning. It's not being forced upon you. Yeah, yeah. it's not being forced yeah. upon me. But if I'm in high school and I got to take a carpentry class, it's like mm-hmm. I don't really want to learn it, right? But there's a certain time for everything, you know? And you just got to, when that time comes, for me at least, you just go ahead and you learn it, you know, because you're motivated. Have you heard this, uh, what what is, uh, we had a girl on our our podcast, Kara Bishop. What's the name of the school? Oh, the Shining Stars. Yeah, she came on, she came on the podcast. She was probably like one of our fourth or fifth guests. Yeah. Um, And yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? Would you ever consider your son going there? Is that a type of environment you would? That's the, if, if there's any school at all. It's that it's this kind of school. Okay. Yeah, like uh, the Steiner schools. If you've ever heard of that, like no, the Waldor- Waldorf schools. Are they're um, in Phuket, or it's there's more one in Phuket. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we, he's my son's gone there a few times, but they're so they're so young. It's basically like daycare. It's daycare. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're paying for daycare yeah. at that point. Uh, what are what are your thoughts on meditation? Do you practice this? Uh, do you uh, does your are you getting your son involved with this at a young age or? Yeah. Well, I. I follow Ramdas. You know Ramdas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he, I'm like uh, a big. I love his story. I yeah. love uh, everything that he's taught, and um, I also have tried um, doing astral projecting. Have you tried that? No. What you is like that? Go, going out of your body. Um. So I haven't. I haven't done it. But like, lu- like lucid yeah, dreaming, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Even even more than that. Through meditation. Yeah. Uh, have you? Have There's you, books on it. It's have like you? Have traveling you? Have out you? Of the body. Have you? Have you done it? I've yet? almost done it. Like there, you go into this vibrational state, and I've got to that vibrational state, but I haven't got left. My are you body doing it through a guided meditation? Or are you doing it on your own? Just on my own. Just it's, on your own, trying to. Yeah, you you can learn about how to do <clears> it, but basically, it's just like breathing yeah, I've, and I've, meditating. I've I met a a friend along maybe four or five maybe four four or five years ago, mm-hmm. um, and she was doing what's called. Um, Akashic, Akashic readings yeah. or the yeah. Akashic records. Are you familiar with this? Yeah. Have you tried that meditation? No. I should send you a YouTube link. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. I know what that is. It's basically the records of everything. Correct. And and some some people, um, yeah, this it's like a library of everything that's ever happened. Yeah. So I've 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 tried it four times. I've almost got there. So. And sometimes you fall asleep because I have one that's a guided meditation on it. And honestly, you kind of need it because they talk you, they're bringing you through a journey. And there's essentially what they're trying to do is they're bringing you to a library. And at that point, once you get to that library, you don't know if you're asleep or awake. It's very strange. It's a very strange feeling. And sometimes you just pass out Mm -hmm. and then you wake up and you're kind of still there, but obviously your eyes are closed and it's guiding you to a library, to a very end long haul, to a book. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to get there mentally. And when you get to that book, you open it. 
And that book, every page, because again, whatever is going on, they need to make it uh, third dimensional and visual for you to understand, right? Right, right? We need to understand a book. And I've got to the point where I've opened the book and you're supposed to be able to flip a page. And every page is any chapter in your life from now, from a past life, from his life, from your life. You're telling your mind and you can actually open those pages and go into that page at Mm -hmm. any point in time, which they call the 13th dimension. Um, And again, this isn't like woo woo science. This has been around for a long time and that's the general idea of it idea of it but i'll send you this link you can try it it's very um it's very difficult yeah yeah. it's very difficult i've tried many times and i i I think it requires a very clean mind a very open mind and also again like we were talking about like good gut health you need to be very holistic and and prepared for it or i feel like there's maybe too many things could be blocking your mind when you get there sure Uh, but it's awesome yeah Yeah, i i feel like humans probably had more senses back in the day, you know, like a thousand years ago that, that we've lost, mm. you know, like talking through the mind or just that, that feeling yeah, of the, the intuition as yeah, well. Yeah. And S- some people are really, yeah. I mean, you, you can, uh, I think that's through diet and this holistic lifestyle, this could come back and especially escaping the noise. And I don't mean the cars and the, the beeping. It's the, the, the mind of the monkey that chatters a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could be on your couch and, and you have all these distractions. you got the computer, the cell phone, the TV, and your mind wants to easily be distracted for whatever is going to be the simplest task for us to take on. But when you're in a place like you're, you're, where, where you're living, mm-hmm. there's no distractions. There's quiet. It's, it's peaceful. There's, no, there's probably minimal sounds as well. And I'll give an example of that. I went up to Kalsok, uh, I think it must have been last October, and Kalsok you, yeah. you're familiar with, and I stayed on the lake. I, I've never, I mean, and we don't live in a city, so Phuket's still relatively quiet. Mm-hmm. But when I was there, you couldn't hear a sound. And it's something that, like, going on your point, there's probably senses that we have lost along the way. And I think that's our sensitivity to the environment and, and kind of becoming in tune and in touch with it. I think that's what we've lost for sure yeah. well we don't know what we've lost because we don't have it exactly yeah. do you think you'll your uh, part of your motivation is to find that uh well i one of my motivations is really to, to learn as much as i can to teach my son you mm-hmm. know like i really want to keep learning and you know meditate and do all these things you know just so i can kind of pass the baton to my son like is, I, yeah is there any point where this idea could not work like i'm not sure how to frame that question it's more like do you see this working is this your lifestyle until the day you die for sure for sure i want to get even more rural Mm. like like i'm happy where i'm at it's like it's all about being happy where you're at but yeah i just get more in touch with nature you know the reason i got so away from nature is because i was kind of programmed to think that i needed a job and needed all this money and all this stuff. And then once I built my business and became, you know, relatively successful, that's when I realized that, is this mm. it? You know what I mean? Is that, is that all there is to it? You know, that's, and that's, that's why I'm able to kind of get back to nature and do all these things. Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself, are you, are you very focused, determined, patient? Like what describes you as a person? Who are you? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, determined, you know. Um, I'm not scared. I don't have much fear. Uh, strong-willed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and where does that come from? Is this uh, these are values that have been passed down maybe through your family, your parents, or or is the have yeah. you have you created your own character? Yeah, I think a lot of it, you know, like my trip outside of North America and just building my business, you know, through some really really hard times has really um given you thick given me a lot of thick skin, a lot of strength, you know. Yeah, interesting. Um, I think the the whole concept of living off the grid. Now you still have your property management company. So this this uh, how would you define that? Pays the bills? Are you are you saving? Is there a certain point in time when cash will no longer be needed, and therefore you don't need to deal with property management? Well, I like the business. You know, I like all of these people that live all around the world. You mm-hmm. know, they entrust me to manage their property. You know, so I can't disappear completely. And would there be a point in time that you could tr- that you could slowly transition away from that? Because I think the point of this question, meaning like while you're doing your property management, in your business, it's taking away from additional time you could be spending on yeah, yeah. learning and growing quicker and yeah, faster. Because yeah. I mean, you have so to. I, I've set the business up to run, basically it runs itself. OK. You know, so I have staff that do all the maintenance, the cleaning. I don't have to do much. I just yeah. need to answer emails, talk to these owners when they call. So you've made it to uh, as minimal as possible. Yeah. And is that, that's your, your motivation because all of your time, clients. All my times with my son yeah. and on, on the, on our property, you know, maybe an hour a day at nighttime. Do I do some work, actual business mm-hmm. work? And, and what's next for you uh, in terms of what do you plan to learn next? So we were talking about that before, like every day you try, maybe you watch a YouTube video and you'll try something new. Do you have something in mind for tomorrow? Yeah, I um, well, I'm doing carpentry, and yep. I want I want to get into carpentry with bamboo because there's so much bamboo growing on my property and on the edge of my property. Mm-hmm. And people, you don't have to pay for it; you just have to cut it down. So you dry it, and I want to know how to build with this. There's a there's actually some people doing it in Bali. They're building villas. Yeah, I was watching your video. Yeah. You said there's a, a drying technique you're yeah, using. Yeah. 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 So that's one aspect, but there's there's a if you want to use it in construction and use it for a long time, you have to you have to get rid of the bugs and really dry it out. But if you're just going to do it temporarily, like I'm trying to build like a pergola on the side of my house to yes. kind of give some more shade. And uh, yeah, I just want to do that with uh, just the local bamboo we have. Is there a, a way to naturally treat the bamboo so that it, it cannot get infested? Like let's like, say by uh, termites or yeah, like borax. Borax. I think it's uh, pretty natural stuff. What is that? It's like I a, don't know actually. It's like a wax or. Honestly, I don't know what it is. So but this I is, just know that's the name of it. This is th- and Some this sort is of the salt, next. I think. Is, but it, this is the next project for you that you're this you're taking on. Yeah, my yeah. property. You know, I've never been like a hands-on guy, but I'm trying to get back into it because I feel like I've been missing it my mm-hmm. whole life. And that's the idea. It's like we're I'm reclaiming my. Um, what comes natural to us maybe a hundred, two hundred years ago, and these skills that we've lost. Yeah. Yeah. You said you, you were sharpening knives and that was a job you had. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell you a funny story about that. So I used to work with these Cambodian guys, right? Yeah. And I, I would sharpen the knives or I'd sort, right? Not, they would come up behind me, these guys, and they would, they would take a bucket and a, a big, like, a hammer or something, and they would hammer it behind my head, and I would jump. And I would say, fuck, I'd be scared. Yeah. And they'd just look at me and say, Wade, you know, you're not ready. You know, I'd be like, like, what do you mean I'm not ready, right? And... When I came to Asia, you know, my Burmese staff, 
my Thai staff, specifically my Burmese staff, even my Thai staff, it doesn't matter. But yeah, yeah. They're very calm. Nothing scares them. Nothing rattles them. You can do the same thing no matter what. I, you can try this on any person here, any Asian, any Burmese. They don't get rattled. They don't get scared. Like if you were to smash something yeah, behind their ear. They have some sort of inner peace inside of them that that doesn't get rattled, you know, and and that is something that, I didn't learn that lesson until I came here. I looked back on that job. And I said, hey, those guys were trying to teach me something, you know, that was really valid. Because now I've kind of embodied that from my employees. Like when shit really hits the fan, like I'm just still like, it doesn't phase me at all. I'm just like cool hand Luke, basically. And all of my employees are always like that all the time. You just can't phase these guys. Yeah, because so thing, things are going to happen in life that not everything's going to go well. And when something goes wrong, let's, you know, it's a problem and mm. let's find a solution think, and let's deal with it. I think it. Buddhism mm. teaches that from a very young age. Are you uh, a practicing Buddhist? Are you reading, are you reading a lot into like the philosophy side as well? And like uh, what, what so types I, of books are you I got really reading? into Buddhism and lately I've been getting into back into Christianity. Okay. Because I feel like, you know, I, I, I never really learned it. And now you see with all the stuff that's going on, there's a lot of satanic stuff going on. Mm. And that's where I'm realizing, hey, maybe maybe Christianity is right. You know, maybe uh, maybe the Bible is true. You know, I used to think it was all wrong, but now I think it's all true. Do you believe in the stories literally or just more the values of those stories? I would say literally. Literally. Yeah. And uh, w what do you mean by satanic going on? Is that more... Uh, are you referring more to, let's call it the New World Order or the uh, Illuminati or the uh, corporate USA? Is that what you mean by that and their practices? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I guess, you know, these government officials, you know, we always see government doing stupid things, right? Like, and I, for a long time, I used to think, are these people stupid or evil? You know, for a long time, I thought they were stupid. Mm -hmm. And just recently that you see all of these things going on. And it's like, no, I, I was wrong. These people are evil. Mm -hmm. You know, you see what they're doing to kids with their um, mandatory PCR tests and mm -hmm. uh, you know, people getting sick from all this stuff going on. I just, I don't trust any. What of do you it. think their agenda is? Like, well, what is the reason behind this all? Or is it so far, their plan is so far into the future, a hundred years that we can't even see it. I think it's about uh, control. Control. I think we're getting a little bit too um, like Orwellian, nineteen eighty four. Is this the is this the the direction it's headed? Absolutely. Mm. I mean, anybody, just open your eyes. That's exactly what's going on. There's no doubt Social about credit, it. Social credit. Yeah. Stuff like this. I mean, okay. So this, I think China is is um, playing a big role in all of this because if you, for example, look at what happened with the masks. So now the West. They unleashed this virus, right? Mm. The ma now everybody has to buy masks. Yeah. Right? So now they're making all this money. Yeah, because it's manufactured in China. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and then, and now all of this freedom that's being lost in the West. Well, see, the freedom in the West makes China look bad, right? So now when people are losing all their freedoms in the West, China doesn't look so bad anymore because everybody doesn't have freedoms. Mm -hmm. So they love what's going on. Now, of course, there's no more protests in Hong Kong. There's no more Trump. There's no more tariffs. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're really loving life right now. And they're going to export this social credit system throughout <clears> the whole world. Yeah, and it's already, I think, you think it will take off, it will come into Thailand? Uh, 
social credit system in the sense where like you you have social credit and you can essentially be not allowed in restaurants on no fly you could be a no fly I zone i don't think so i think they've got a really good government going on in thailand right now i think you know it gets a bad rap but i think these guys are really looking out for us yeah because the, the interesting thing about thailand they're very pro thailand yeah yeah right so they really i mean they're the only one of the only countries if not the only country in southeast asia and asia that was never colonized by right. the british so they've always kind of kept their identity which uh, and I, but there is a big Chinese influence in, in in Thailand as well, and a lot of people don't know that. Actually, the people pulling the strings in Bangkok are Chinese descendants. I mean, go to go down to Phuket town. Sure, all the fishing boats, it's all Chinese owned. Well, Chinese are good people, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with the Chinese. It's the Chinese government that's yeah. screwed people up. So, so these people are good people. But I think, um, you know, I talked to my friends back home, you know, about. Uh, so many different topics. Thailand, I've learned so much in Thailand. If you look at immigration, for example, you know, on my son's birth certificate, he was born here. There's only two, wor two words in English. There's his name, and then there's illegal alien. So he's an illegal alien here. Mm. They don't give citizenship just based on birth. It needs to be by blood. Yeah, and, it's not like Hong and that, Kong. And that's a, it's not like Canada. Yeah, he, if the Chinese, they go to Hong Kong to have kids because there's the one no, kid rule. Chinese go to Canada to have kids. So they get the passport. They get yeah. the passport. Yeah, yeah. And then they go back. Yeah. And so Thailand is is very homogeneous because of this. And it's it creates a very strong country. Is that a good thing? It's a very good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine if you allowed people that have Thai citizenships to buy Thailand. It wouldn't be Thailand anymore. It would be the West. That's true. You can come over, you have a kid, and then in 15 years, it, your kid can buy be, land. There would be sky rises. I mean, yeah. condos everywhere. It would be terrible. I mean, you know, people say that when you open your borders, like in Canada, we're opening our borders to all these foreigners. Mm -hmm. They call that diversity. But that's not diversity. Diversity is staying in your own country and keeping your culture alive. Mm -hmm. And then you can go visit. You can go visit these other cultures. But you're making a big melting pot mix. So are you anti that or? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. anti that. And then what about them? Were you, were you on the Trump side for him trying to? to so to if you look at Thailand, I love Thailand's immigration policy. They make it hard to become Thai. Like they only have like 100 people a year that become Thai. And I love that. I respect it. I want Thailand to stay Thailand. That's, I mean, yeah, you keep your identity as, mm -hmm. as, as a country. Otherwise, if you kind of... You respect yourself. If basically. you were to take all the countries in the world and make a melting pot and the, every country, you know, you have citizenship forever, wherever you want, you're yeah. going to lose... Then the identity of that, that area and the culture will slowly fade away. Sure. You know, in the West, if we don't open our borders and let everybody in, we're called racist, right? Yeah. But they only call the, the Western countries racist. They don't call Thailand racist they don't call china or japan racist it's yeah. only the west and so it's really it's it's a double standard yeah and, and you, do you think that it's because of more because of the media like because they're controlling that narrative yeah i think there's a big agenda like we're talking about the new yeah. world order or whatever i think um i think they really need to take out the west because mm -hmm. once the west falls then the whole world's in their hands basically because places, yeah, like China, and again, I live there, you, you cannot just get a passport in China. You couldn't have a kid in China and get a Chinese passport. That's not how it works. Yeah. You have to go to the embassy and, and file for a Canadian passport for mm -hmm. your kid. And I know a lot, a lot of friends living there where they had kids in China. And um, 
yeah, they could not they could not just get a Chinese passport because the child was born there. However, if the Chinese come to Canada, they can. So it's kind of, you know, the, the relationship isn't equal, which is strange. But I get it. Um, so Well, that's why all these Democrats in the U.S., they, they want open borders because they know the people that are going to come in are going to vote for more Democrats. <clears throat> so instead of changing who people are going to vote for, they change the people who vote. Yeah. They're, they're letting more people in. And it's you're going to ruin the country, basically. Yeah, and, and we'll start to lose that I identity as yeah. well. And people think Canadians don't have a culture, but we have a culture. Yeah, you know, we're very honest people, very trusting people. Look at me and you; like we we share the same values. Mm. We're very similar. You know, I just met you for the first time today, but we share the same value. Yeah. That's a culture that we share. You know, but yeah. the more people you let in, the more diluted the culture gets, and it changes. I mean, in Every time I go back, it's a different country. And yeah, and it's now it's becoming very different. Very, very different. It's becoming very uh, commercialized, I would say. I mean, you go downtown Toronto, it looks like New York City now. And yeah. um, the towns that I grew up well, in. Look at what you were just telling me. You can't get on the bus without a, an injection or yeah, a certain card yeah, to show that you've had apparently. the... Well, you can't get yeah, on a plane. On a plane, yeah. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Already, no, already you cannot fly domestically in Canada okay. without that. So. Well. And look at our national anthem. It's mm. it's the true north, strong and free. Mm. Well, first of all, you're not you're not strong anymore because you're afraid of a little virus that has a ninety nine point seven percent survival rate, and you're not free because now you need a certain. It's it's a segregated yeah. country, so it's like you're going back in segregated times in the U.S. where blacks and whites were separate. Yeah, and it's just who has the card and who doesn't have the card. Yeah, and, and it's uh, it's a war. <sighs> It's. I was talking to a guy about this today. It's like the war on terrorism is changing to you are the terrorist now, right? Because you don't have that. Well, you know who's the terrorist now? It's COVID. COVID yeah, is the yeah, terrorist. Yeah. And look at what happened with terrorism in Afghanistan. They yeah. spent all this money, all these lives lost, yeah. and they got <clears> rid of the Taliban twenty years ago, and they replaced it with what? The Taliban. Yeah, and it's. I think a lot. Oh, my opinion, a lot behind that as well is it's because it's a business. And if there's not war, there's certain corporations that are not making money. So there ne always needs to be some sort of issue because it's profitable. And that's probably why yeah, this well, should happen. There's, there was a big announcement that China is going to be developing this huge, I think it's a, some sort of mine in Afghanistan. A mine? Yeah. Okay. Well, is it a coincidence what happened there? You know, the U.S. left, China goes in, and now they're mining what rare earths or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. And I mean, China can, uh, I mean, they can, they, they, their army is very strong. People under Well, their tentacles are everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Oh, I mean, go, go to any major city in the world. There's a Chinatown. Is there a Canadian town or an American town in, in every city around the world? No. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, they are absolutely everywhere. And there's places even in Mexico, apparently, where, like, oh yeah, now they've bought land or something. I was reading, I can't, this was so long ago, maybe a year or two ago, I read this story where, like, the Chinese actually own a part of Mexico. Yeah. Because I was walking down the street in Tijuana. I saw some Chinese people. But they were speaking fluent Spanish. Yep. They were, like, 100% Spanish. Yeah. Yep. There's Spanish in Argentina a lot. It's probably Spanish in Brazil, or it's probably uh, Chinese in Brazil. They're yeah, everywhere. everyone. And it's yeah. not necessary. Is it a bad thing? Is it well, a good thing? The CCP is 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 a gang, right? Yeah. And they're they're corrupting politicians all around the world. They're bribing people. They're like the richest, most well-funded gang in the world. Yeah. Uh, what do your um, 
what do your 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 parents you you you're, they're still alive? Oh yeah. Okay. What do your like your family, your friends back home um, think about with your your opinions? Because on mine, when I try to talk to my parents, uh, well, my opinions are even more extreme than yours. Yeah. It, well, it, it I, seems. You, I I think I'm just being polite on camera, <laughs> um, but. They're so brainwashed by the six o'clock news that when I bring this stuff up, such as the current situation and how what they want us to do is kind of bullshit, and I, I can go into detail on that. But when I bring these points up, they're like, "You're uh, basically a neo-Nazi. Like you're a lunatic. Like how can you even think that?" I go, "The only reason you don't think that is because every night you turn on the TV at six, mm -hmm. and you become sheeple essentially." And the TV is program. It is a program to program it's you. It's television. It's, tele it's telling <laughs> you what to see. Yeah. So when you watch that, and now I 100% I get it. Imagine you watch that every day, 365 days a week, and the message was the same for 365. Yeah, yeah. You're going to believe it at a certain point because you become, uh, it's, it's almost like hypnotized. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so to back to the whole point of the question, what does your family, friends think back home when you, you, you bring up your opinion and your points? Well, they think the same as your friends because they're watching the same stuff, right? That, that's kind of my, my you question. Know, I don't even need to watch those news because I, I can talk to, I don't even want to point them out, but I'll, I'll talk to some people. Yeah. And they will only regurgitate the same points that they hear on the news. They so, don't have an actual opinion. Yeah. I, like, do you have an actual opinion on the on the matter yeah have you and, read anything else and yeah and my my views are so extreme that yeah. it actually causes them physical pain mm. when i say these things what like, is maybe your most extreme point of view if you're allowed to share that maybe somebody would be like absolutely no i, I if can't. i told you my extreme most extreme point of view you just pulled the plug on the podcast well right no you, you you can you can share it and then we'll decide if we cut it no i or if you or you don't have to, it's okay. Well, I've I've got so many, but what um, what is one that you know you know that guy, you feel that that yeah. you feel that when you share, people feel you've crossed a line. Okay, well, let me just tell you a guy that you should have on this podcast. Okay, okay? he's he's uh, he lives near me. Okay, I haven't met him personally, but he's got a YouTube channel called Phuket Ball. Okay, and he's got hundreds of videos. He's got a lot of thousands of subscribers, and it's all about why. Um, He's got a bunch of proofs mm -hmm. that the earth is flat. Okay. And, uh, and I thought, you know, flat earth is um, one of these conspiracies that it's like a straw man conspiracy. They build it up. It's completely fake. Yeah. And they point to the flat earth. See, the earth's not flat, but people believe it. So all conspiracy theorists are stupid. Mm -hmm. And that's what I thought for years. Mm -hmm. and so I'm watching this guy's channel. And I'm like, fuck, I think this guy might be right. Mm. <laughs> and... No, I don't know, but you should have this guy on and talk to but him. But he's more like on the conspiracy theory side. It's like just he, one. It's he's a working class <clears throat> British guy. He's got five kids here. But he's a flat, he's a flat earther. He's a he flat is. earther. And have you moved towards that? Do you believe that? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, see, the the I think it makes a lot of sense. The only problem with that one, I that's the only one. That's one I don't believe because <laughs> the problem with that is, how the hell do we fly? I mean, these pilots, they, they need certain coordinates, directions, there's satellites, there's just too much. I mean, well, we, you know what's interesting? Yeah, I, <clears> this is, this, he just posed this to me, you know, somebody. Yeah. So you go, the earth is a ball, right? You're yeah. flying from Canada, you're going to Australia, right? Yeah. 
you go in like this, and now next thing you know, your plane's upside down. Well, do planes fly upside down when they get to Australia? No, they don't. So how does that work? Well, that's just gravity, and that's a re- that's like Einstein's theory of relativity. Is it? Yeah, because it's uh, the way that it's it's not. There's no there's no such thing as north, south, east, or west in a three dimensional world. It's just what we label it, right? But you can we can run a little experiment. It's just a toy plane and yeah. on a ball. You fly from Canada, you go to Australia. Well, the plane's upside down. It has mm. to be. See that I I wouldn't even know how to answer that. Yeah. But I I get your point. I just I uh there there, there has to be then, some some science yeah, behind I, that. I know. Understand I know. I've yeah. looked into it. Yeah. I've looked into it. You should look into it. It's super interesting. Mm. I spent too much <clears> time <throat> going down this rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, those those rabbit holes are a bit um um with the conspiracy What do you theories, think about Sasquatch? <clears throat> That I I don't know those. I mean, it, <laughs> I, I honestly think like that that it, it could just be like uh, like South because again you're from BC so you you you, yeah, you, you even know you over. even know yeah. Okinawa and the Okapogi and probably yeah. these stories as well. Well, the funny thing is, you know, off air you just told me about you know you were in a bar right and some guy grabs a magnet, puts it on his shoulder, and yeah, it yeah. sticks. Yeah. Well, most people think that's bullshit. Yeah. Right. But you saw it with your own eyes. I did. So <clears throat> say I saw a Sasquatch, which I haven't, yeah. but now you're telling me that's bullshit. So <clears throat> I, I don't think people lie that much. I think all of this stuff comes from real things. And there's YouTube channels about, you know, emails coming in. Like people have seen it. Like yeah. legitimate people have seen it. Like Canadi- Canadians don't lie much. There's old newspaper articles from like the 1900s. Like, well, it uh, also depends who's telling the story. And nine totally, times out of 10, totally. it's, it's usually some lunatic. Yeah drinking swish in the back alleys of yeah, yeah. uh so the sasquatch one I, I i don't know what what else do you believe um i i because uh, we're in a one? safe space i'm not going to judge oh you no no i'm actually i'm trying to think um i i do and don't believe in like aliens okay um i've let me tell you something about aliens mm. okay so I think a fake alien invasion may be coming. Well, this is the new, yeah. uh, I, this is, people are talking about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people are because talking. Because there's been a lot of disclosures recently. Right. And, but anytime the government tells you something, then it must not be true. So that's hard yeah. to say. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I've been, some of the stuff, like I told you, I've been getting into the Bible. Well, the Bible says, there's a quote in Genesis. It says that I have given you the fruit of the earth, which has a seed to eat. Basically, it means like you should be a fruitarian. Yeah. And then there's another line that says that, you know, he, uh, God created the earth and, and there's a, basically a firmament around the earth. So it's, it's flat with a dome around. That's what mm. a firmament is. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of hidden proofs in this, you know, and the Bible talks about, you know, fallen angels and people say that's what Sasquatch could be. Mm. So, well, a lot of it too, the, the, the only issue with the Bible and is then, that and the then translations, and then we're talking about the what's going on with the <clears throat> yeah, injection. Yeah. Well, th- people say that could be the mark of the beast. Mm. Well, there's because you can't you can't ways, transact without. There's this. many ways to interpret anything. You sure. can always you can always interpret it ho- however you want. Of I course. think the the only problem with the Bible and what it says now because it's the King's Bible in which we're reading. Um, I mean, this goes back. This was written in ancient. Uh, Hebrew, mm-hmm. 5,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And imagine, then it's translated to Greek and then Rome and then English. I think a lot of it 
like the literal meanings from maybe the original version, probably a lot has been lost in translation and meaning because don't forget language is completely different at that time. I mean, an example, go read a Shakespeare book. It's not so easy to understand either. Sure. Like in, in certain uh, words get lost, grammar gets lost, the idea of it gets lost. So well, I think, I th sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, that's okay. I think history, <clears throat> if you look at the word history, yeah. what is it? His, his story. His story, right? Yeah. So it's completely the winner's right history. Correct. It's totally manipulated. So I think even, yeah, there's a lot of mistranslations in the Bible, all this stuff, <clears throat> but it's probably the straightest line to actual history that we have. So all these crazy things that we read about in there, yeah. probably closer to truth than what we read about in you know, our textbooks. See, my, my opinion, what I thought the Bible probably was uh, at that point in time, it was, a, it was a way to control the population through stories and morals and values, and you should act like this, because there wasn't really politics back then. Religion was the politician. Mm -hmm. So that's what I, I have always thought. Like It was a way to, again, control your population with some stories, a lot of scare tactics, especially if you go very orthodox as well. That, so that, know, that's, I, that, that's I used I to thinking. believe that too, but then I see that the mainstream news bashes it. They never talk about it. They ignore it. Yeah. And I anything that they don't like, I like. You know, if it was fake, they would be promoting it and pushing it, but they're mm. not. Pushing the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not. They hate it. So that makes me like it. Yeah. So there's yeah, definitely it's a, a lot of interpretation. And I'm not I'm definitely not for or not against it because I for me when I have an opinion, if I don't know enough about the topic, mm -hmm. I kind of give like a general understanding. But I, I believe on any of this stuff, like you really need to go down rabbit holes to, to read, you know, multiple points of view and understand it. So, no, I, I, I agree with you in, in that sense on that. Mm -hmm. What, um, so then what are your thoughts then on like dinosaur bones? Cause I've had a lot of, I've, I've had a friend that is a flat earther and he doesn't believe in dinosaur bones. He doesn't believe in archeology. span This one's very difficult to, to yeah, get. I don't know. I don't know too much about this, but, uh, I believe that there was a, so I'll tell you, I don't think dinosaurs existed, but no. I think a lot of these bones existed, belong to other animals that were here once upon a time. But I'll tell you a crazy conspiracy. That mm. It's not going to trigger anybody, right? It's not going to trigger anybody. <laughs> no. But this one, uh, this is one of the first ones I got into. and Not many people know about it, but it's, there's, um, so you're from Toronto or Hamilton. Yeah. Hamilton. You've Toronto, seen, yeah. You've seen some of these old <clears throat> buildings there, like you've seen the Toronto train station. Yep. How big it is. Yeah, it's it looks massive. like looks like ancient Rome, right? Yeah. Well, there's buildings like that in Vancouver too. There's buildings like that in Winnipeg. There's buildings like that in New York, mm -hmm. all over North America, all over the world. In China, in Japan, they all look the same. And so I think there was a civilization before us. From you know? those buildings though. Yeah. Yeah. That built those buildings. That we inherited them. But can't they don't they, don't they, they have pictures before that's those structures have been built. No? They don't have any pictures of any of those buildings being built. No. You can look that up. And what about the material though? The material that can be dated. Uh, carbon dated, you mean? Essentially, that, yeah. Because everything would have to be. Uh, carbon dated only works if something's been buried and not touched. It needs to be organic. It needs to be buried. <clears throat> okay? It needs to be buried and not touched. If it's, if it's a standing structure, it just doesn't mm. work. Um, but essentially there's. There's this, um, there's a civilization, an empire in hi in your history books. You can go back and mm. look it up. It's called Tartaria. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. It's on old maps, ancient maps, Mercator maps. Okay. Mercator is a big, was a famous map maker. He wrote Tartaria, covered vast uh, areas of Europe and even in North America. Was this the map that was showing Antarctica before they discovered it? Like there's this at There's map, so map. many old maps, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. This is just one of them. But this, uh, people think that this civilization existed and it got wiped out and we basically <clears throat> just inherited these buildings. And how did it get wiped out? We don't know. Through like disease, meteors. I mean, what about these? Well, gi- a lot of these buildings are are buried. They're buried in basically soil or mud. So a lot of yeah. people think that there was a great flood or a great deluge. Again, the Bible. Well, that 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 argument goes back, and it's kind of been proven about twelve thousand BC, and that's not pseudoscience. That is proven, and everyone talks in and different stories. A lot of stories. animals got wiped out. Yeah, they right? call it the Great Flood, which essentially. They think that it could have been a meteor that hit maybe the Arctic shelf. Mm-hmm. And from there, it, it happened overnight. And Graham Hancock has, uh, he goes deep. I'm yeah, sure yeah. you're familiar with him. I, I've read his recent book, uh, The History of the Americas. Have, yeah. you, have you read this book? I have it. I haven't read it, though. Okay. It's, uh, it's a hard read. Uh, yeah. I actually, what, I, what I've transitioned to now It was kind of dry is, for me. Uh, it's very dry. Yeah. So what I, the way I got through it... Um, was uh, I, I got the audio book on. on yeah, that. Oh, I have the audio book. Then it's okay. But honestly, that book is very dry. Yeah. The only reason I got through it because I'd run or walk for an hour or two hours. Mm-hmm. It's the, uh, if I didn't do that, there's no way. Yeah. And actually his point, well, if, if, should I ruin it for you? There's, it's not that crazy. No. Uh, tell you or don't tell you? I think I know the point, but go ahead. Okay, so his point is... Uh, at the very end of it all, most of it is just research into uh, mounds. Um, uh, I forget the name now of these different mounds of what they thought were um, kind of uh, sites used maybe from like the Indians. We'll call them the Indians or Native Americans, whatever, from uh, thousands of years ago. Um, and saying that like people, because mainstream media says that we only came over through the, the, the Bering Strait um after the ice age because it was too difficult but he goes back to say well no they could have came over by boats and following the coast or from polynesia and how do you explain the olmec in in in, uh, in south america because of the flat noses they look more african they look more polynesian so that's his argument is like there could have been a civilization mm-hmm. uh, here twelve thousand years ago ten thousand years ago he even goes back as 120,000 years ago he's not sure how to date it but based on these different um mounds they're finding as a um uh of um maybe like holy holy or how would religious sites i guess if you want to call it that that that's his point but by the very end of the book he gives his real point very quick it's literally one sentence he goes and and this is where it kind of threw me off, but may, maybe it's right. He says, but my actual opinion of all these structures that were almost impossible to build, we can't build a lot of these structures, such as the one from the Mayan in, in uh, of Mexico. And even the Mayan come back and say, we didn't build these. And the Aztec didn't build these. Yeah, yeah. And the Inca didn't build these. They were there before. So that's his point. But he says, how, if these were hunter-gatherers, how did they build these structures? And again, this this is proven so it's not conspiracy theory that is a real fact those were not built by them sure that's a real fact of course so his point at the end is like well how the hell did these hunters and gatherers build it 
And he said, probably there was a civilization before that. Yes, there was hunter and gatherers coming across the Barren Strait when that land became free, but they were hunter and, hunter, hunters and gatherers. But there could have been a civilization, and he really starts to focus on the Amazon rainforest. And they could have been in there because, again, that's almost impossible to... We, we don't even have the technology to search that. It's massive. It's bigger than India, yeah. a forest. So good luck trying to figure it out. But then he says, if they built those structures and those existed, the only way they could have done this was through, uh, and I'm going to botch the word, not telekinesis, but tele, uh, it's a way of essentially moving stuff with the mind. Sure. That's his point at the end of the book, which was kind of yeah, threw you off. a bit. Yeah, that point threw me off. Because it's like, really? Because, I mean, that seems quite... It should have been in the start of the book. That So he that's like chapter, last chapter. Yeah. Like maybe he's leading you on to another book. Uh, I'm not sure. It seems like he's done. Yeah. I think he says that at the end of the book, he's not going to write something because he's gone down through so many paths, like, you know, diving off the coast of uh, Japan. Japan and looking at different structures down there. Those actually look quite legit. And that could make sense because if there was a great flood, well, well you build on the coast and if, you know, you know, what's really interesting, like that stuff's all good, but mm. I think there's something that's more in our face. And if you look at this building in Toronto, this train station, well, look at when it's dated, when it says it was built. It was probably like the late 1800s, okay? You didn't have cars. You didn't have electricity. So look at that train station. How do you build that without electricity, without cars? It's mm. with a horse. There's pictures of people with horse and buggies in front of this building. That's a massive stone structure that we probably couldn't build today. Well, how would they hide that information? Could it not? They, like, you just, you change it. You, you inherit it. But would those stories, because it's it's only two, three generations ago, right? Would those stories not leak down through generations, at least through one, you, have one you person? Have you heard about the orphan trains in North America? No. Okay, so there, there was a huge flood. They basically populated North America with orphans. When, you know that? When was that? This is... Um, like thousands the of... The late years. 1800s. The late 1800s. Yeah, 1800s, mid-1800s no. maybe. Well, they basically populated North America with orphans. So... If you, if you have some people, like a handful of people that know about all this stuff, and then they populate the continent with orphans, mm. it's totally easy, totally plausible. Oh, the, the, this way the information disappears yeah, because that lineage can't yeah. be tracked back. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I think, it's, I think it's a little bit more in our face. I think, we've, yeah. I think history is so fascinating, and it's not boring. And we don't mm. know what they're telling us is totally not true. And we should know that because... We shouldn't trust them anymore. Mm -hmm. We know it's all bullshit now. It's so the, obvious. And and is this from from all of this information? Is this of what's going on and what's real and what's not? Is this kind of like it's all a connected? Is this a motivation a, a motivating factor that kind of pushed you to what you're doing now as well to kind of escape the noise, escape the bullshit? Would, would you say yeah, that I, was a key factor? It was a kickoff. It was a kickoff, mm. and then I. You know what? When I'm working on my property and I'm cutting grass and I'm meditating, I'm doing all this stuff. These things just it, things become so clear to me. You, you know? have more time to think. I yeah. mean, you're working. It just outdoors. comes to me naturally. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like I just get a clean body and mm -hmm. you know, I, my bullshit sensor is so sensitive. You know, so I, I don't trust. And do, for your your diet, like, well, now you're again, you're only eating fruits. But before, would you eat anything from the Seven Eleven? Like, were you angry? Yeah, yeah. Would I remember when I worked all night, I used to eat those little toasty cheese things. Okay. Those were great. I used <laughs> to have coffees. I don't drink coffee anymore. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And how, how do you feel like physically, like from this new diet, you feel energy, you have the energy yeah. energetic or are you very energetic? And it's kind of a two part question that transition from your previous diet to this one. Was there like a, like a hurdle, uh, like in terms of like, you felt lethargic maybe for the first month because you're basically there's, changing your gasoline or there's changing, detox. Your, there's, changing your engine. Yeah. I'll tell you when I, I, when I, when I did a fast, I did a six day fast recently. So and this what, is in Canada. What does that entail? Just water. Just water for yeah. six days. Yeah. Really? And I wanted to do it longer, but I did it in Canada. My parents are like, you're going to die. Like we have to step in. Like I wasn't going to die, but they were just worried. I was having a great time. Mm. So after, like on the second or third day, I really felt bad because my body was detoxing. But after the third or fourth day, I was getting my energy back. I wanted to go for runs, walk around the neighborhood, mm -hmm. like go see my friends. You didn't have any hunger pains. You're no, able to get no, through No, it's it. two, second, first day you get hunger pains. Second day you, you have detox symptoms. Get the past it. The body is the perfect machine. You know, like the creator, whoever that was, designed is perfect, you know, and... And we just can't, we just shouldn't fuck it up. We shouldn't screw it up. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we got to be careful what we put into us. Mm -hmm. And uh, because we're, we're the perfect machine. Like modern science can't hold a candle to the human body or what nature can do. Mm -hmm. You know, so the body heals itself. Essentially, we don't need any external things. You don't need superfoods. Yeah. Food, food is medicine. Yeah. Food, food. Food is medicine. It has has things, but the body essentially can do it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on on anything, is there anything that you miss from like you know the, your old diet lifestyle, like an ice cream or anything like that that you you get cravings for, but but because you're you're disciplined, you you block it. The hardest thing to break, caffeine is a hard probably one of the hardest ones. Okay? Yeah. And the next hardest one is salt. Salt is hugely hugely addictive. Mm. now you can still put salt in raw food but i just don't do it but that's when people go from cooked food to raw food they usually have less salt and that's what they crave the most because it's highly highly addictive it's like crack cocaine yeah yeah, yeah it's it's uh i mean for me yeah I've, I, it's even to cook eggs it, it's not i try to limit the salt but it's not easy yeah. it makes everything taste quite bland when you don't have salt but mm -hmm. probably because you're 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 addicted to that that taste and whatever yeah. it's doing to you uh neurologically yeah, as yeah. well uh, I, I don't even want to know yeah, yeah yeah so that's it's a huge one okay well we'll we'll get to wrap it up because we're probably at probably over two hours way yeah. over two hours yeah okay two hours 40 minutes two hours 40 minutes yeah i think we went on a conspiracy theory tangent for a while maybe <laughs> yeah. probably 45 minutes of that okay um the, the last just quick uh, ideas instead of questions is if anyone out there is listening and, and they want to make that leap of transitioning to, uh, so, would you say self-sustainability? Self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. Yeah. What is that first step that you would recommend, the very first set, step in heading in that direction? And we understand it's a long process, but what would you say, hey, guys, I, I, if you're thinking about this at all, just try this first. And maybe it's a few steps, but what would you recommend they do? Well, you need to get some land. You need, you need to have space to do this because without that, you know, it's, nothing's going to happen. Mm. I mean, but if, <clears throat> if you're in a condo, you know, just start growing some herbs and stuff. But just stay, try and move out of the city, you know, take, get away from people a little bit, you know, try and become more independent, you know, start a business, you know, yeah. just 
do whatever you can to be less, um, to just to be more independent so people can't manipulate you. Mm-hmm. You know, so your employer can't force you to do something. So you have control, yeah. complete control of your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you need to do that, not only for yourself, but for your family. Mm-hmm. And do you think everybody should be heading in that direction? Because I mean, I mean, if uh, we, if we want to be stay a free world, stay a free country, that is what we need to do. Because when we are all herded together, and the food is all coming from the grocery store, that's when we're going to be manipulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that make I mean, the f- most of the food from the store, especially the Seven Eleven, read the back of it's any shit, anyways, day. right? Yeah. yeah, it's like you, you can't even read half the ingredients, no. right? So yeah. nine, that's the thing. 90% of the food in the grocery store is garbage. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that was a, uh, well, okay. So we'll, we'll wrap this part up. Um, switch. This is, uh, this is your camera. So if you can tell the audience uh, where they could find you, especially for your Instagram page or anything else, maybe your property management you're trying to promote. That's your camera. Yeah, I don't know. Sh- I don't think I've done a good job promoting the property management. But yeah, you can no, find me okay. on uh, Rural Life Thailand. So it's rural underscore life underscore Thailand, I believe it is. That's for the Instagram, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we'll put that And if I have got there. more followers, you know, I'll, I'll start posting more things, you know. I, I think just keep posting. They will come. Yeah. And well, just, look, look at me. I saw it right away, and I thought, this is amazing. I'm going to check this yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, if and you want to... I mean, I like your podcast. I mean, if you get, if you keep getting the guests on that, I, I'm telling you, yeah. it's going to be some good podcasts. Yeah, we're trying to keep it more uh, interesting. There's people so many that, interesting people yeah, here. that have um, that expert level of knowledge, and which is good because the more interesting people on, I bring on, mm-hmm. they will introduce to me sure. to more interesting. That's people. That's great that you know. There's some. Uh, uh, what are the British International School kids are watching this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's great. Yeah. So I mean, if they can do their own self education now, especially during COVID and these lockdowns, good for them. It's probably the best yeah, thing that's ever happened to it's, them. It's a different type of content we're trying to provide. It's more like uh, practical educational information that's outside of mainstream media, and and we're trying to bring it from people that are doing it strict, strictly from their mouth. So yeah. uh, it's much easier. If someone's looking to go into rural Thailand or yeah, where, somebody, where, yeah where, I mean, you can come over to my house. Yeah, you know? for sure. But you just can't be afraid of dogs. Oh, I'm not. If you show any fear at all, they're you're cra- finished. They're crazy, eh? Yeah. No, I, so there's uh, dogs outside. I had one, a soy dog I let live in here for a bit, but oh, then yeah. I saw him too many times at the beach. He's just m- mucking around in the garbage. I'm like, all right. Oh, I know. <laughs> and he would come back full of mud. I'm like, I can't bring you in, buddy. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to watch the full video on YouTube, Come visit our channel, Fruiting Body Podcast. We can also be found on Instagram at Fruiting Body Podcast. Please be sure to share and follow this podcast with friends and family. Thank you very much.